Three. All right, let's do this. Well, welcome everybody. Good evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you're coming from. We're back for another episode of the Group Up podcast. And we are here for the great February debate to discuss the happenings of season three. And the Avengers have assembled once more. So let me quickly introduce them, though they need no introduction. In the bottom right is my man, Samido. Samido, what's up? Good morning slash early afternoon slash night. It's a good Friday, you know. I hope the weekend's great and excited to talk today. It should be a good one. Me too, me too. I think it should be uh, lots to discuss, actually. In the bottom left is my man Flats. Flats, what's up? Hello. I'm here. You are indeed. You are here. And in the top left, returning after a little bit of an absence, but he's come back with a bang and an awesome hat. Frito, how you doing? Hello, everyone. I think my prediction that the game plays best when there isn't new content has come true. That's my argument. And uh, yeah, I'm sticking to it. It's actually very true. I was going to bring this up at some point anyways, and I, I guess we can lead on for there because I was going to say first thing to discuss is new season, season three, our first season season on Nerdwatch 2 without a new hero. Just your guys' brief overall summary of how you feel about the season. So I'm going to take it straight back to Frito. You saying you're, you're kind of having a good time then, Frito. Well, I like, I think everyone likes different things about Overwatch, but I like uh, strategy diversity. And when it's difficult to solve it, at least at like my tier of gameplay, I turned 14 there for a second. At least in my, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my tier of gameplay. Um, and I've seen a lot of content creators say that it's kind of tough to know what the like best support is, for example. So the state of support, I think, is really flipped around. And if that's the case, there's at least multiple tanks that are, are played as well. And we're kind of back. Like, it's not quite my favorite balance patch, which was pre Idiko. I've worked real hard to say that in Japanese. You're welcome, nice, everyone. Nice. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's pretty close in terms of like the diversity. There's some like corny things in the game that are pretty good that I think will we would grow tired of eventually. But this balance patch, I think, was quite interesting. The tuning levers they tried, and I think it's a big win, especially with the like ultimate changes specifically. So I don't know. I'm liking the diversity. Um, the new map's pretty good. Overall, it's just like a good season. Content-wise, it's like the the interest in the game has gone down as soon as the game starts playing better, which is kind of an interesting um, phenomenon that I was trying to basically set up from the beginning. But without a new character, it's like they have enough data to figure out, all right, we can tune this 10%, this, this, this percent, and then it works. And then by the time we get the new hero next season, I'm a little afraid the game's going to play worse. But uh, I, overall, I'm liking it. I think it's a, a big step forward. Yeah, I have that. I have that same worry. In, in, interesting, because you know, I will. I will want to hear Flats and Samito's thoughts about, about lower interest. But I feel like more people are, are playing comp actually this season. We might get to that discussion in a bit as well, because there's been a lot of talk about SR inflation that we will we will address at one point. But Flats, what has your feelings been on season three? Um, I think I think the overall sentiment obviously is people are like pretty happy with it. Um, I think they came out swinging uh, with the big patch. It wasn't as conservative as uh, the season two patch, um, which is great. And, you know, obviously there's like some small things like, you know, ball might be a little bit too strong and like a lot of the supports are really good. Um, my, I only have one problem and I'm not ready to launch war yet, but I'm getting close on the discord or war. Um, that'll come someday. Uh, but other than that though, I'd say that the game feels really uh, fresh, and I wouldn't say, like, everything seems somewhat viable, which is, hadn't been the case so far in Overwatch 2. Um, but I also wonder how much of it is uh, 
because it was such a big radical shifting patch that it, it feels fresh for a little while. Um, but if it stays this way for another week, two weeks, people are probably going to start having some resentful feelings towards things, uh, which is the key is to keep things fresh is there needs to be keep patches need to keep coming like little by little. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if that, uh, Oh, this patch is great stuff starts to fade in a week or two as we get closer to mid season patch and maybe don't have anything yet. Yeah, I agree. And also <clears throat> the fact that we don't have any real pro play happening, although today I believe some trials are taking place for world cups. So we might start to see teams kind of, display what is potentially the best thing on the new patch then it filters down to ladder and everyone starts running the same thing and then all of a sudden everyone's mad that x you know four heroes are just annoying as hell so hopefully as as flat said that doesn't happen but sammy how have you been finding season three fun i have actually had a ton of fun and this is what i was hoping they would do in season two and they did it really well in season three um Every role is fun. I think the only issues are just like minor things right now. Like I think Mercy's healing should get reverted to what it was. I, you know, just a couple ball might need some health nerfs. Um, because I like, I think I like how they changed ball because his big problem was that he just couldn't be as active as he needed to be for one tank. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Was there a patch a while ago that changed how his adaptive shields work? Like was it whether it was season one or? Like I feel like I vaguely remember something, but maybe I'm totally. Well, this off is it gave it. less ult charge, right? Or gave ult charge, sorry, when you didn't used to. Isn't that what? Is that what it was? I, I don't know what it. I, There's I been a lot of small changes over time. The overall number got changed. I'm pretty sure. Oh like, yeah, there was more. There was more. Yeah. I think yeah. at some point they buffed his shield capacity or something. I don't mm -hmm. know what it was. Something this. What if that was what it was? Then go back and revert that and keep his cooldowns lower, and then that was really good. The brig changes. Um, I actually like. Uh, you guys know, like I like playing brig and ranked a little bit. You know, like the hours paying off. Um, and I gotta say, you know, I I, I dare say it. You know, I don't think I've had this much fun like playing Overwatch since October of 2020. I don't think. Ooh. Season one, wow. season one. Well, season one, like, you know, there were only a couple heroes that you could really consistently play because that meta was like really strong on Kiri. Like you couldn't really play Ana, you couldn't play really play Brig, you couldn't really play Queen, like but like the meta was fun, but like the actual like disparity between what characters were good and what characters were bad wasn't really there. And I will say I, it's not quite at October 2020 for me because like a lot, I think a lot of my heroes that I love to play personally suffered, but that's like personal bias. That being said, like I'm enjoying playing every role. Doom's very fun to play right now. He's hard. He's rewarding. Uh, you can play Ram. You can play Arisa. You can play Ryan has made his return. I won 15 games in a row yesterday playing May. I hit top. I, I was like ranked 20, one tricking May. It was insane. I rebunched re May keys, fellas. Switch your uh, primary fire and your freeze, and it's night and day. Um, Echo's. I think a big loser, but Reaper can get played like the like the the amount of heroes that you can play right now and get value on. I don't think has been this high in a very very long time, and you can really see that on the leaderboards. And I gotta say too, I think the Sojourn nerfs like I wouldn't nerf her again. I I think she's really good, but I wouldn't nerf her again. So I I think this is the best patch they put out in several years, to be honest. And I'm I'm loving it. Uh, you can play almost anything, and you're seeing a ton of different comps come back, and it's really really fun to see. Only a couple outliers, which we, uh, we'll get into uh, down the line when we talk about matchmaking and, and, and inflation, which we will all get to, I'm sure, at some point today. Yeah, I mean, lots to unpack already there. I, I mean, I'm still wrapping my mind around Samito said the sentence on this podcast. Yeah, I'm really enjoying the brick patch. Brick change is really good. Brick, yeah. brick, brick, oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's the, the opposite of the uh, Samito bingo. Which we're is out of the tunnel. We're out of the tunnel. 
we're fully in the Twilight Zone now, or Samito's enjoying life as Brigitte. And also, the fabled 2020 October patch has has finally met a competitor. So that's there should be merch, dude. You here. need a T-shirt that says October patch on it. I swear to God, yeah, that. <laughs> everyone would be wearing that. We'll wear those to BlizzCon next year when the, when yes. they have it. October patch. Get thrown I mean, out. <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> I mean that's really good to hear. I mean, so so what is it that you think is like the core of why why the game feels so fresh and like diverse? It seems to be the word we all keep using that lots of different heroes keep getting played. Uh, I'll ask Frito as, as you know we haven't heard from you in a while, Frito. So like, what do you think is the cause of why so much stuff is getting played? Hmm. Well, the core of Overwatch Two is supposed to be that like it's asymmetric and there's multiple ways to win, which in theory at the start of the game made that very difficult to easily find um, a comp that would work in all situations. I think we're kind of back to that a bit, mainly due to the the, the silent hero to me is when you change someone's uh, character's ult gain by 10%, that to me is like quite big because the, the tempo and cadence of you getting your ult. So you have a player like Sam, me and him, I, I think we'd like disagree on how strong May is because when I play against May and all three roles, I have heroes in my pool that kind of make her look silly. And I don't mind playing against May so far anyway. Um, but if you're very good at May and you're crafty, then the cadence of you getting your big play, which is Blizzard, is so frequent. And you're out playing on the front line with Wall. And then all of a sudden there's like there's tempo plays like that. So I think the also the other things I would say are when there's shield tanks and dive tanks in the game, then like a sniper style character looks to be worse. So Sojourn's like technically still got the same peak, but since I think you can put things in her way, um, thanks to other tanks being viable, then you can play for the frontline value, like with May, for example. Um, I'd say another huge victory for me is the Mercy changes. A lot of the Mercy community is not happy with that, but I feel they've both made her more powerful and more counterable at the same time, which to me is like an insane idea that... Um, so we, we bag on them a lot for like taking a separate roots it's like the community will say we hate damage ant we hate res or we hate whatever uh, i personally didn't like her movement that off to the side i don't think the majority of people said that but then they'll say well we'll give her more healing power than ever before and nerf her movement and while that makes some players angry because they can't fluidly move through the combat i think the game like stabilizes in a really big way because as a support now almost because that changed but the, the general game uh, as well you feel from that support position when your dumb teammate is a little too far, but you're safe, you can like pocket them back and say like, well, I've got OP healing. <laughs> so come on, sweetheart, come back around cover. You'll be okay. Like when they step a little too far, that, that's how I feel uh, Mercy works now where it's a bit more forgiving from that support position and um, your healing is actually quite quite good. Um, obviously, damage amp is the most severe thing you can do, but... Um, when I say like stabilize, it's like the, the the team's out of position, right? And it's hard to like save them. So previously, support felt like you're kind of hopeless when that's happening. But Mer Mercy as a pick can really uh, help you out with that. Um, so there's like a lot of avenues like that where the game makes more sense. I guess it's it, kind of a weird way to say it. I don't know if I'm uh, ringing no, any I... bells for anybody there, but that, that's how it feels to me. It's like it's not like severe. Like season two was severe. Roadhog here, you die, lose the fight. Like. Sojourn with a pocket, you're just screwed. It's like there's there's not as many sharp edges in the meta right now that you feel like you can't deal with. Like there's there's a lot of options to, to deal with things, which is what we want from the game. So I don't know, pretty, pretty happy with the bounce patch overall. Yeah, I mean, Flats, I'm curious if you kind of agree that it, 
this doesn't doesn't feel to me too many severe things i i think maybe like wrecking ball you alluded to is the one that might creep up for people's frustration but it doesn't feel like there's things that are like wow this guy like this is just ridiculous what this character can do so the reason i think wrecking ball uh hasn't caused the amount of waves that roadhog did um is wrecking ball is a skill-based tank um subjective to a lot of people like oh you just play ball roll around like you have a good time and you you get kills but realistically the ball play style of overwatch one you had the good ball players and then you had everybody else but everyone else could still get value because you just played bowling and what you do is you just roll behind the enemy team and then grapple through everybody and you just do that until you had mines and then you do the swing up mines come down and you did that on cooldown and it was super easy that's how I played ball. I didn't know how else to play ball, and I could get value on it. That That is the, the unskilled version of ball. That doesn't work in Overwatch 2 that much. You have to actually know how to play ball. You have to know the combos. You have to know getting in and out using your cooldowns. You can't engage like, you know, like you see an opportunity, but I don't have shields up yet. I have shields in three seconds. You go for this. Oh, I'll have it in three seconds. You go for the slam, and then you die, and you're like, oh, I was on a one-second cooldown. Like, I should have waited an extra second, you know? Those are, like, little things that, like, you pick up as being a good player, which way Hog... You just kind of like walked up. You were just super tanky. You just you just like deleted somebody from the enemy team. There was nothing they could do about it. So that is why I think Ball, Ball, even though I think he's really strong, hasn't been like everyone's like nerf Ball immediately. It's like you still have to have somewhat of a decent Ball player to make it like to actually be like scared of it. You know, like it's annoying, but to be scared of Ball, like oh we're fucked. Like it's typically some of like the more decent Ball players. Um. But one thing I actually do disagree with is the mercy change. Um, as a tank player, I don't enjoy them. Um, for me personally, uh, characters that are not flat 200 characters with no movement, so like your soldiers, etc., like like stuff that's like very small, like like can't maneuver. Anything that has movement and or um, like your Bastion Reaper May, anything that's above 200 HP, Cassidy. If Mercy locks onto them, you cannot kill them. It's not possible on anything but a one-shot. Even Ram. Ram, you have a hard time. You have to hit, like, one, two, three, four, five, and then, like, they have to get no other healing, and you might get it, you know? And there's very few times you're getting five straight punches on somebody without getting boot back from a Brig or booped away from a speed away from a Lucio or their tanks running you down. Like, there's a lot of things where I cannot tell you the amount of times I've had somebody one HP and I engage on them, and the Mercy comes, like, flying out of Narnia and just, like, touches them for a second and they're half HP and then that's gone. But like the reason that's frustrating for me is the Mercy players already think it's, she's not that fun. They, they hated that they, the movement got gutted. I don't like the healing change. And I feel like the healing change, like for the tank players as kind of like eliminated kill potential. And it feels a lot like season one where you played the Zarya matchup where you basically are two Titans and you stand there and just keep each other from being like, uh, like running over the enemy team until like one gets an advantage and then they just everybody holds W. Um, but at the same time, though, everything else like feels like okay. So it's like I'm not like I'm not like totally against the idea of uh, also I'm, I'm getting distracted by my camera. I don't know if it's getting really dark. <laughs> dark flats. I was like, am I going to the dark side while in this drop conversation? Like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, <laughs> like i i almost sympathize with like okay so the people that actually play the character don't enjoy it they don't like the changes i don't enjoy playing against the changes so are the changes good that's kind of like my my thing is like 
I, I feel like there's sometimes changes where like a lot of people don't like the changes to it that play the character. And I personally don't like playing against it. So is it a good change? Is it a healthy change? I don't know if it, I think it's too early to tell. Um, but personally, I've been enjoying playing like Junker Queen. I, I cannot tell you the amount of times I've gone for a kill on somebody on Junker Queen. And it's just not possible. Like, I just cannot finish them if the Mercy flies over. And that and the other support doesn't even have to get involved. It's not even possible. Never mind Winston. Winston took the fattest L yeah, yeah, versus yeah. Mercy. I can't even if you she has Valk, you primal someone to a corner and you hit every single combo, you cannot kill them. It's not possible. Even if they're there's, squishy. There's one other tank that might have taken a bigger L than that. Doom is miserable to play against the new Mercy changes too. But actually, oh, yeah. but Doom's Winston. viable in somewhat. You know what I mean? Yeah, true, 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 true. Winston but, is again though, Doom's like a skill tank where you're like, you have yeah. to be good at Doom if you're if you're just terrible at Doom, then like just <laughs> you're, floundering you're, you're around you're doing me. nothing. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, cool with that though. I'm cool with yeah. people having high skill characters be good. Um, even if they're sometimes a little frustrating, you know, and being strong, that is like an incentive to become good at those characters, you know, and then you can have good impact. So I was, just, I was wanting to say, I'm curious to hear Sam's thoughts on the Mercy Change, and I'm, I would like to let Frito kind of, you know, give his own thoughts back as to why he likes the changes. So Sam, what do you think of the changes? I really don't like them. Um, it is it is insanely noticeable to play against. Um, you could play it perfectly on, for example, like playing, I will say, there's two reasons why it was miserable playing against it as Tank. And Tank definitely feels the Mercy buffs the worst out of anything, right? With the new matchmaking, which I do want to talk about, because my opinion actually flip-flopped on this early last week when I started to put the picture together as to what was actually changed about it, and I recognized, but we'll get to it later on. But when you have two negative DPS, and you make all the right plays as Doom, and I, I was reading some forum posts where people were saying, oh, he's mad, he can't 1v3 as Doom. I'm like, well, if the Ana misses the sleep, I force the nade, they have no cooldowns, and I hit an Empower Punch on three people, and I'm trying to finish off one target to blow open the fight, and I literally can't pierce the damage because Mercy's healing at under 50% health, even though they've done four or five things wrong, I've set up the fight perfectly, I've engaged perfectly, I literally can't kill through. It just feels a little too strong for me personally. I, I think it's just too good. And it was absolutely noticeable when playing against it. There were many, many times, especially when I was playing Junker Queen. Like there was one time where a Mercy flew into res, right? And what you used to do to counter Mercy, and especially Mercy players who are making mistakes, is you could just chip at them, right? And as long as you hit them just for one second, it would stall their regen. So that was a positional error on their part. Now they can get away with just walking in and rezzing, right? And this is this is without Kiriko. Like, imagine if a Kiriko's there to cleanse or do anything like that, and you literally, especially if your DPS are low, lower SR, you can't kill her. You can't, right? Like, like as, as mercy, better Mercy players are starting to figure out the movement, they've also realized, yo, like, if their team is low, it, it completely changes how you have to engage, and sometimes if you want to kill the Mercy, you're better off not damaging their team, and it's just not a good interaction. Like, I think the way that... The way that the interactions with Old Mercy worked and the counterplay, it's like, okay, well, she flies just barely in a position I can shoot a, a pellet at her as Doomfist. And as long as I tag her, I, it's, I can go in two seconds later and she'll still be killable. But now, it doesn't matter where she plays because as long as her team is taking damage, she can heal herself out of it for the most part. And, and that's without peel. So, you know, it, it was incredibly frustrating to play against. I, I, the Mercy players aren't a big fan of the movement. It, it is way too good to play against and it's especially noticeable when you're playing tank and i think there was also a fight i clipped it where i full sticky to cassidy and beamed him and he just survived with a mercy and i'm sitting Damn. there and i'm like 
what do I do? Like, you know, like that's that's a little too good in my opinion. Like it was just very frustrating. So I, I would just it, again, it, it also it's indirect nerfs to any hero that doesn't have immense burst damage. Like Echo Beam is unusable on a Mercy target. Like it, it gutted Echo. I I had her at A tier. I think she's even B tier right now. Like if Mercy's being played, like you can't. Rip the I mean, it, it is what it is. Yeah, flats. A question. A yeah. Question for you, Sam. Yeah. Do you still think Tank is the strongest role in Overwatch Two in high level no. play? No. What role do you think is the strongest role now? Support. You think it's support? Support. Why, why is that? DPS, yeah. You control the whole game. I like again at a foundational level. Like, well, I'm not sure. You know, Flats. I want to allude to something you said at the start. Have you seen the top 500 support leaderboard? Top 10. Uh, I thought it was like all Zen, or like mostly Zen. But Zen's. Zen, it's Zen is good everywhere. He's just the tank. Like, Sam, do you want to start the crusade today? I'm down yeah, to start. Well, the crusade. We'll get to it later. <laughs> wait, we'll wait, get wait, to wait, it later. We'll before we start, money. before we before we raise the pitchforks, I want to let I want to let Frito have a chance to. So, Frito, you've kind of heard a few arguments against the mercy changes. How do you feel? Does that change your stance, or do you have any ideas that they, maybe these guys would like to find interesting to consider? Well, I don't think anyone's ever going to be happy because. All the things we're talking about, Mercy being unkillable, is what I felt last season. Maybe my aim is just not good enough. But if you can perma fly in the sky always, I can't hit you. So season two, I could not kill Mercy. Whereas season three, I feel like I can target the Mercy. And I think it's opened up to make other characters better. And it might be also your guys' hero pool um, to, to consider. Like, if you were a ball player, I think you're not going to find Mercy that hard to track down. Also, I think... It opens up to make Tracer more viable in ladder than she's ever been. I mean, she was played in pro play, but um, the low damage numbers makes it a little difficult. But I think positioning and outpositioning Mercy and targeting her is way easier now. That's why I consider her counterable. So it's like it's not like I disagree with any of the when she's pocketing a thing, it doesn't die, and that's kind of ridiculous for some damage breakpoints, and especially Echo can, cannot uh, target a thing. It's like what what I, I um. I don't know, like as a support player, and I think sometimes we get uh, a reputation for not playing um, supports, but I do play support and I do play Mercy because I like SR. <clears throat> um, so having the targeting support knowledge, it's like a thing that hasn't been in the game. The only thing close to it would be like Batiste, who I also really like to play, which is like when you're heel juggling your teammates and kind of keeping... Um, the critical ones alive and really managing your regenerative burst like that's a character i love in overwatch 2 a lot and now mercy's got some mechanics like that where she's playing in that position so for me as a mercy player i actually enjoy playing mercy now because i'm not a mercy specialist and maybe that's why maybe like if you're a mercy specialist and you want to constantly be moving all the time whereas i prefer to just like support the team and flex onto the pick as opposed to specialize on it so um playing her that's from my point of view and then playing against it i feel like the movement is um the weakness that you have to go at and you you kind of have to counter pick her i suppose and go at her specifically and pressure her as opposed it's sort of like you said like i've also had those frustrating moments where the team is targeting let's say like here's a comp i played against it was uh bastion moira junker queen mercy and who cares what the rest was and the team would like put some damage into the junker queen some damage into the moira and then everything just kept escaping and with this unkillable nightmare comp and i'm like guys listen we have to target the mercy because she keeps getting away and even if she gets damaged a little bit then she heals and heals herself and and that's kind of ridiculous like the the targeting errors get really punished but I, I wonder like how much the community just needs to learn these things like there's a a low-key 
um, sleeper hero at the moment that I um, am making a video about myself. But like Moira is secretly way too good. And I'm glad people don't know how good she is, but um, like damage orb onto the mercy to like pincer attack is way too strong. It's like obnoxiously strong. And it, we're lucky that other that players don't play her as much and she's not that popular and considered easier to counter because um I, I don't know. I just think like getting reliable damage and pincers onto the mercy all of a sudden, like you could almost make her want to hard swap off the character. So yeah, that, that's sort of where I'm standing. I, I don't know what we want out of these uh the heroes and dynamics of the game. It's like, should you feel you have to counter things? Um, I, I think we're just in a situation where no one's ever going to be happy because I, I personally wasn't happy with season two, Mercy, either. Um, e either way, I'm not a huge fan of, because like I felt like in season two, if she pocketed a Widow, I still couldn't kill the Widow either way. It's like the, the same, most of the things you're saying still happen to me, me but maybe that's because I'm not good enough to hit all my stickies and uh, focusing beam um, on the target myself. So that's can my I, point of view. That? Yeah, go, go ahead, ahead. So, so two things real quick. One, I want to talk about your your, your comments on how people like you, we we aren't support players. I, Frito, you and I play more like my most played role in over like this season is support. And my highest peak in this game is on support. I was one game off top ten. I was ranked eleven this season on support. I play. I've been playing a lot of support, and I actually really like it. Um, and you play you play a ton of Brig as well. So I mean, we play a ton of support. Um, Brig is nasty this patch, dude. Yeah, Brig's Brig a lot Brig of fun. Nasty. Brig is nasty this patch. She really is, especially against all the ball players. Brig's in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Old, old flats, don't you worry. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> but he's been he's been cooking. I know. I can see him. He's smiling like the Grinch over there, ready for coming for Zen Main's Christmas. Uh, but uh, no, I, and, and on the, on the mercy notes too. I wouldn't say like I I think a lot of mercy players are really mad. I think the key is to not have people be angry at the changes like i'm kind of neutral on them like i think that they were a net like if i could go back and like undo it i probably would like, like i think what needs to happen to mercy is they just needed to put the super jump tech on every other ga and not have it be on every ga because that's just too much movement in my opinion i wouldn't have touched the healing i would have just said okay guardian angels are 1.5 second cooldown you can't use the tech because it the way it functions it's like it's a, its own ability it, it, it goes kind of beyond tech because the way that you can just directionally shift like no character can use one ability to directionally shift like that. I feel like it's more multiple times rather because you can go forward and then you can go back. You can, you can do all kinds of movement with it. So I feel like that should just be on every other GA so that it slows Mercy down a little bit, but it doesn't completely negate the movement. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I kind of wanted to add on to that, just to kind of the mm -hmm. little icing on the cake so to speak. i wonder too if there's a difference in opinion because like i i have recognized a lot of mercy content creators want the movement back but i wonder if there's a the casual player base who isn't on twitch and reddit and everything how they feel about it and it, it probably is like well i feel like i can't kill the target but do those mercy players enjoy actually having some like healing power in their hands because before that it felt like you're sort of spectating the game and you can't really influence it, it's got to be one or the other right it's either like mercy's healing's not very impactful or it is and mm -hmm. and therefore <laughs> against I mean, it you either I are like i can burst through it or i can't i think that's impactful I, I i wouldn't say it wasn't impactful before 55 health a second is good especially if you're pacing yourself right and spacing well like i i, I didn't think her healing was bad i i think right now i mean 67 and a half health a second on 
like that's a lot and not to mention what that also does and this is what people aren't talking about as much is that drastically increases your valk build rate if you're making the right decisions on who to heal and who to not heal so like that's a you're ba you basically also increase the valk build rate too on mercy so yes. she didn't get an old i love <laughs> yeah 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 I yeah um, go ahead, SPB. No, I was gonna say, I think this is, this is an interesting case of like the devs almost shifting how the heroes played at at sort of skill floor level. Like they've shifted the hero to match that rather than try to shift the the perception of the community of how to play the hero. Because for years people have been like the the way you play Mercy is blue beam, blue beam, blue beam, blue beam. But the reality of how Mercy is played in in a casual setting or in the metal ranks is, yeah, but I need to heal my tank sometimes because my other support is garbage or. Because people don't know comps, they they run like you know Z Lucio Mercy or like Zen Mercy or Brig Mercy, you know, mm -hmm. something that doesn't sustain the tank. And of course, the tank himself is is awful at, at not taking random bits of damage. So like mm -hmm. it actually probably Frito's right in that sense that it probably does actually play yeah. into the experience of what like your average Mercy player is playing. In that they need they they'll they'll sell you like we need to heal a lot because our team takes so much damage. So now I guess they do probably feel more impactful being able to top their tanks up especially when they go down below 50% HP. But I do think it is an interesting, like it is definitely one or the other because it does come at the cost of the movement. The Mercy community, as, as much as they sort of, I, I, I jokingly called them the Mercy Mafia last time, and as much as they do sort of <laughs> raise their pitchforks and get angry, they are also pretty good about like adapting to new changes. Like they have been champs about the fact that their, their character has been changed like three times already. And in, is that in the, the most of, reworks in Overwatch? Was it... Was, it's either Brig or Mercy. It's well, yeah, and and certainly, as well as up there. Metro, yeah. and certainly in recent Metro, time, though, like yeah. we had two versions of Super Jump in the betas. Now we've had this as well again. So it's like they've had a lot of changes and they've kind of rolled with the punches. And I wonder if they will roll with the punches again. The one thing I will add, because you guys have all made great points about how it plays out. The one thing I'll add is as someone who's been, I played almost, I've, I started the season one tricking Brig for a little bit. And now I've been playing almost tank exclusively for the last couple of weeks. So I've been playing a lot of Ryan, Winston, and Sig. Especially Winston, it hurts when you're fighting against a Mercy. And there's one uh, like unintuitive part of it, which is that when you start fighting a target, your damage goes like beats the Mercy Beam. But then when you get them below half HP, you start losing. So like if you're like not cognizant of what's happening, you can get completely baited. And I wonder if this is happening to a lot of like Winston players were maybe not thinking too much, like more casual Winston players, where they're like, yeah, I'm winning, I'm killing this DPS, I'm winning, I'm winning, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, the healing keeps kicking up and stopping mm -hmm. you going past a half HP threshold. So I wonder if that's something they should think about, because that does, that's a, that's a bait, that's a trap. Like, you think you're going to win, but you're not. But I have been able to now kill the Mercy as a consequence, because you, you see them GA, you now know you can kill them. Like, previously yep. it was like they GA, and you're, you're still trying to zap them, but it, the, by the time you finish zapping, they'll GA away again. Whereas now, like, oh shit, that's like three seconds. I got, like, in this time, I'm going to kill her. She can't get away. So there is, like, I was also against it initially, but there is, like, you know, I guess we just roll with the punches on it a little bit. So any more thoughts on the mercy changes? Because I think it's it's interesting. I, I still want to see how it plays out. I'm not convinced this is it, but I I don't hate it. I, I have a few more things to say. I think, especially as Winston, it's like, I might... My, my rank experience is a little tricky now because I tanked in season two. So now that a lot of my heroes are good again, I don't know what of my experience is like valid because I haven't really reached my, my peak yet, I think, that I can reach. But for me, playing against Mercy as Winston, for example, it's because I understand the math involved. It's like I think you play for Cleave more and punishing GA more. And if you're better with the railgun for Winston, then you can do more with that and... Um, so I, I haven't struggled against the Mercy, but I also am not trying to target her uh, targets as much. Um, and you play more to like anchor and zone. And I'd also say the same thing for Mercy as well. 
um, I've watched a lot of Mercy content recently, and something that they say about like, well, her whole character is about the movement and going in with with certain characters, but I feel like sometimes we as the community dictate what we think the character's supposed to be. Meanwhile, they make the game and they can change it if they want, really. And what I try to do is look to see what the stats and numbers and design is, and then figure out how you're supposed to optimize it from that point. And I think the new Mercy is much more about anchoring on a position of cover and then healing around it. Similar, again, like I guess if you're a bat player, like I am, that's one of my best picks in Overwatch 2, it's it's very similar in terms of like the power positions you want to hold as opposed to fluidly going through the combat like a dive hero. You're more like anchoring to to heal bot a bit more, I guess, um, at, at least when that's valid. So um, I, I wonder if we'll feel differently about this when like more players are attuned to how to counter it because it is very punishing if you don't have the right strategy. And, and something that it just wouldn't have existed in Overwatch 1, if you think about it, like Overwatch 1, they really wanted the design to be simplified. And like, I do a thing and it's direct and it's as like as simple of RPG style mechanics that we can imagine. But now with Overwatch 2, it's like this when it's half health does this and an extra thing and she self feels through this. And like, there's a long uh, flow chart of, uh, that you, you kind of need your team to know uh, in order to deal with what is otherwise a pretty simple character. So um i i'm interested because i think like the alternative is like like i i'm curious what we want to see like do we want her to not be high tier viable or do we kind of like a more simple character that i think uh in many ways helps the game like like in my opinion like i think the game sometimes can play other than getting one shot with damage amp there's a lot of cool interactions with Mercy, I feel, that it, it, I don't know, as opposed to some other things that exist in the game um, that were oppressive before. It's like one of the less offensive supports for, to me. So I don't mind playing against her other than, you know, when my team doesn't target priority uh, appropriately. But anyway, mm-hmm. I don't know oh, if I'm... I, I, uh, I don't know if any of you guys to... are going <laughs> to... I don't know if anyone's going to want to dive on that grenade and just be like, yeah, I don't want Mercy to be viable and just put a big target... <laughs> Put target on their back. Uh, I I I just I thought it was funny that you know you you pointed out correctly that like there's a lot of complexity to Mercy now, which is ironic considering the whole initial uh, impetus behind making the super jump changes was we don't want a bunch of complicated mechanics gate kept behind like stuff that's not easy <laughs> to understand. And now we have like this GA meter and the healing that kicks in halfway through, and it's like. Is this not equally or if well, not more confusing? Those, those will do things for the player, though. Like, that that happens passively for the player. So, like, the game kind of, it's almost like, I don't want to say training wheels because I feel like people would take that the wrong way. But, like, regardless of how good the player is, those things will happen. And, like, it's almost like the player is being guided to do it. So, like, if you already understand it's it, fair. you can get value. But, like, you're at, like, I feel like the biggest part, then I'll let Flats go because we, Frito and I have been talking about Mercy for a while. Um, I feel like I, I said that in like my initial impression, which I would love to see the stats on this. I actually find it really interesting is I feel like <clears throat> it was the biggest buff to the metal rank mercy players that like aren't easy as easy to die. They just get healed easier. Right. So I, I, well, I'd love to see like stats on that or hear about that from some point from the team. I bet you're right. I, I, I would also guess that as well. I think they're probably having more fun, but you used to would say you can't carry on mercy, but like, I think now you can. Because if your targeting's good, like you're going to rack up ult fast faster than than the opposing mercy, and I think there's a big skill gap there on support, which is which is kind of the genesis of why I like playing it now. Because before I felt like the, the your role was to hide and damage amp your DPS and get carried, whereas now it's like, well, there's a lot of options for you to actually play a support hero. That that's how I feel. But 
Yeah. Anyway, you can kind of like tank as Mercy as well. Like when you're Valkyrie, yep. like if you're healing multiple, you can actually just tank a crap ton of damage for your team, and that's like invaluable as well. So I, I have I never pointed this out in my video that, but I like I purposely tanked a Sigrock onto my critical Ash in in a game where like I flew in front, grabbed it, and then healed her and myself. Like that that's skill ceiling as far as I'm concerned. It's so it's almost like like old Brig, that's what you're supposed yeah. to do in goats. Yep. Yeah, so again, I, I do think the Mercy community has been good at kind of flying with the punches. And I'm curious to see how, you know, in another, maybe by the next season, we'll have a better picture of like how it's playing out. I feel the same way about Ball, but I don't want to, because in the sense that like, I think the community doesn't know how to play against Ball, which is partly the pain points. Like people really suck at dealing with a Wrecking Ball. So that's partly also why, like I found when I'm playing tank, if I'm up against a good Wrecking Ball player, like my team just dies to air and I'm I'm just sat there wondering what happened. But I guess with more time, we'll figure that out. But before we go there, Flats has been cooking. He's been steaming. He's been uh, slow, slow boiling. And I am curious because we've been talking about fun. And there's a little anti-fun mechanic called Zen Discord, which I, I know he's got his sights on. So Flats, give me your manifesto of Zen Discord Orb. So I've talked about this since literally beta 2 of Overwatch 2. And if you remember way back then... When Junker Queen was getting played, we hadn't seen the Briggs and Junker Queen comp, so we were all just playing unranked quick play in the beta. And we all started to realize, oh shit, tanks are becoming a lot less fun when Zen's in the game. That's when he had 225 HP. That's when they gave him the kick. He still had Discord, and you know what happened? You try to, you know, go pressure the Zen, you just get kicked away. You try to, to deal damage to him, he had too much health. You played tank, you just didn't play the game. And that's what Discord Orb is. Discord Orb originally in Overwatch 1, in the beginning, was a supports tool for dealing with extra tanks when we played an open queue. Then it was 30% in GOATS. Then when we went to roll queue, it got put to 25. And even then, it was still a little spooky. You know, like... But, but even then, but those two tanks, so it was still kind of like, you know, you, you had to pick which tank to put it on. If it's on one tank, the other tank can do stuff. Like, they had to make the decision. The Zen player had to make some decisions what to do. He still had really high damage. Zen's gotten, like, net buffs over time into a lot of things, except healing. Healing is net nerf over time. But, you know, he's got the extra ammo now, so he's just firing right clicks the entire time, just pelting tanks, pelting left clicks, right clicks the entire time. And he's scary. He does a lot of damage for a support. Um, but my biggest problem in Overwatch 2 is that there is too much turn-your-brain-off value that you can get as a Zen player, or just putting the Discord Orb on their tank. Because here's how you played against Zen Discord Orb in the past. You play behind your shield, so you're not getting hit while it's up. Plus, they couldn't put the Discord Orb on you while shield was up. It was blocking LOS. But there's less shields in Overwatch, too. So there goes that. You play LOS. Well, if you're the solo tank, and you're LOSing the entire time, well, one, you're kind of shit. <laughs> you're probably going to lose the game. Um... And, and the way tank has worked so far in Overwatch 2, and I was saying this earlier, in the first beta, the first meta of Season 1 was like the two Zarya Titans would stand there and just keep each other at bay and keep them from walking over their teams. If you go play LOS, well, guess what? Their Zarya just walks over your team. So you have to stand there and stay in. But the part that gets me the most, like, this is stupid, is you don't even have to think about it. You don't have to think about should I put on the Ryan or the Diva or whatever. There is one tank. You just put it on him, and then that's it. And everyone talks about damage boost being a big problem. 
Damage boost amps a single target for 30% damage. And she can't do anything else. Like, she can't heal during it. She can fly around and stuff. But, like, she only can be either healing or damage amping. Zen puts a 25% debuff for, and just leaves it there. While can keep healing, keep doing damage, keep doing his normal thing. And just leaves it there until either he moves it or you break LOS for two seconds. That's just dumb. Like, you literally don't play the game anymore. If they have a Zen, you just stand there. If you if you try to play aggressive, you die. And you know what the, the worst part of it is? Zen is actually pretty good against Ball. Because you put Discord up on Ball and your Tracer chases the ball, the, the ball around the entire time. And this is where the Brig Zen has come back. Where Brig removes the glass cannon part of Zen and turns him into a fortress. Now you have the 25% burst on the health pack. So when you know ball players, even good ball players, go in for the, like the the boop pile drive and then go to fill out, finish off the Zen pack pack fifty extra fifty heals immediately plus the uh, extra healing over time plus if they have inspire up, you're probably not killing the Zen without some significant follow up and even then it's still a little difficult. So even as a ball player, you probably don't like playing against Zen, but Zen is the answer to ball like in a lot of ways to be able to like deal with them easier. But it's not just ball. It's every tank. It applies to Doom. It applies to Ryan. It applies to Junker Queen. It applies, applies to Orissa. Orissa's a big one, actually. Like, I actually, I'm actually surprised people think Orissa's still, like, good. Orissa has one function now, and it's the anti-Ryan tank. That's it. Like, everything else on Orissa, I think, is not that good. Um, maybe, maybe something with Doom. Maybe being able to, like, you know, tank punches with Fortify and Spear. But even then, I don't even, I haven't really played her versus that, to be honest with you. I just kind of play. Get around it. Good yeah, I, just, I honestly, I just, if, if there's a really good Doom, I just play Ryan, just hope I can counterpin him, and just, like, do my own thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of like, well, that's not really my problem. I can't really deal with that, you know? Uh, but the the problem is, though, it's the end of the day, is Overwatch 2 is supposed to be a high-skill, like, game where you're constantly making decisions to do uh, the most amount of damage and healing to your team and make, like, conscious decisions. Discord Orb doesn't do that anymore. It's literally a 25% debuff for existing. And especially as a tank player, it's miserable. It's not a good time. And I hate it, though, because Zen is a fun character. And people look at things like Discord Orb, and they're like, you say Discord Orb is bad. Like, it's not good for the game. It's not healthy. And they go, well, fuck you, because I like Zen. Zen's fun. I enjoy Zen. Leave Zen alone. That's not the point. We're not talking about how fun a character is or how well liked it is or how much skill it takes to play Zen because playing Zen does take skill. Being able to, to do effective damage and hitting your shots, knowing who to have your orb on the entire time, and even, even defensive ults in Overwatch 2 are a lot less useful than they used to be. Like, it was very much, okay, they have grav. I save, save Trank for grav. They grav, I Trank. Like, that's that was just, like, the game. It's not really totally like that anymore. You have to kind of think about you know, where do I use my defensive ult? Do I use trance here? Do we use it aggressive? Do we use it defensively? You know, there, there's more things to think about, but Discord Orb alone. I don't think if you kept it as a Discord Orb, it can be any higher than 15%. I think even then, you'd still have some problems. Okay, interesting little diatribe there. Samito politely raises his hand up. Sam, what you got to say about this? 
Hello guys, SCB here. Just want to quickly interrupt this episode of the Group Hub Podcast to say that if you've been enjoying this content, then please do consider supporting me directly via Patreon. It really does help since Patreon only takes about 10% of your money, where YouTube and Twitch take 40 and 50% respectively. So it supports me and allows me to keep making videos no matter how many views they do or don't get. Also, if you are really enjoying this discussion, then why not consider watching some of my other content? First and foremost, my Twitch stream where this podcast is hosted live and I stream five days a week doing a bunch of other things as well. If you're not much of a Twitch viewer, then you can check out the SVB side channel where all the best bits from the stream go straight to YouTube in highlight format including VOD reviews, gameplay and streamer formats such as the Fantasy Overwatch or Rank Gauntlet that you may have seen other streamers participate in. And finally if you're sick of Overwatch then you could check out my other channel The Soak which is where I do movie and TV breakdowns and I've done videos on things like Avatar The Last Airbender, Pixar's Up and anime like Haikyuu. So if any of that sounds up your street then all the links are in the description. But now back to the discussion. So I kind of agree. I think that Discord can get changed in this game. And before people say it's just a straight up Zen nerf, look at all the buffs that he's gotten to compensate already. The compensation buffs has already been there. He's got the snap kick. He just got another ammo increase, right? Now, I was curious what you guys would think about this. And I think this would be a very interesting change for Zen. What, what if Discord orb, like, just marked enemies? Like, similar to, like, a sonar, right? Not, not exactly the same effect, but, like, so Zen's big issue is, like, if people dive him, right? What if you increase the duration, like, four seconds and say, like, you're playing Zen on a map and you've discorded a tracer what if your team can then like see her through a wall or like do something like some kind of marker like would would you guys think that would be a good change to the ability because i agree i i think that and especially like zen, zen is always as long as he has discord he will always be right on that cusp especially as this season you've seen the map pool really favor him and all of a sudden five of the top 10 support players are all zen mains right yeah like you, you know, can already do always, that too what do you mean Put Discord on somebody and they go behind a wall. If you hit ping, it pings yeah, yeah, them for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it already exists in some ways. Does it really? Yes. 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 If you if you Discord someone and they go behind a wall and you ping them, your whole team sees where Wait, the ping you, is. Are you sure you can ping them? I don't Yes. I don't, yes, you can ping I them. I need to stop. I need to stop getting my it's mind. It's not a tracking ping. ping. I don't think it's a tracking ping. But if they go behind a wall and it's like let's say it's a tracer and they go behind a wall and you and they have Discord on them, you can ping them. Does so it, it already exists. I, like, for example, like with Junkrat Trap. Are we sure? Are we sure? Yes. I think you need. Sorry, I'm muted on my oh, stream. Okay. I was just saying, yeah, so basically someone who played Zen, uh, when they're around the corner with the Discord orb, you, because you can still see the icon of who that target is and you can see the little purple. If you ping that, it'll say who that person is to the rest of your team. That other buff! <laughs> Fuck it! Uh, Five more yeah. ammo! I mean, I'm curious, Frida, what, what you, I've got some thoughts, but I'm curious to your thoughts first about, like, firstly, just the Discord thing. Okay, so... I, w I was kind of sitting here theory crafting about, like, ways that Discord as is might need more ways to break line of sight. Like, the ways I think of might just utterly gut the character at the same time, and I think some of the uh, nerfs that are being floated in this conversation might just gut the character. But, um, like, for example, what if when you put a shield in the way, it's like that counts as, like, some cover that breaks the line of sight of it? Because at the moment, it doesn't, where if you get discorded as Ryan and put your shield up and you hold the front line, you're just holding shield forever because you can't, you know, you're not going to 
lose the discord effect i'm pretty sure that's how it works right like as long as he sees you even if, yeah. if it's through a shield you keep the discord on you so yes. something like that might be a big deal um it's one of those like mechanics that i don't actually know how it would work it's like would he become useless all of a sudden or would that like be interesting i i'll like on one hand agree with everything that's been said and then give my opinion um i'll agree on a lot of maps in the pool right now if you have Zen, especially like on attack, it's like Circuit Royale, Junker Town, any of these sniper maps, keep in mind Widow's health has gone down. So Zen's ability to fight against a Widow has gone up significantly. And that's kind of like the only counter kind of, because as we've already explained, it's like, yeah, in theory, you can dive the Zen. But if the map geometry is so good for Zen, even as ball, it's like you're going to have you're going to protect the Zen play around that discord, keep that alive like it's the president and uh, the discord orb is going to carry you to victory and anything diving him that far is going to get rolled. So I've been playing and sw swapping to Zen. It's kind of funny the community's uh, split opinion on Zen because on one hand, like the casual players, they think Zen's a throw pick. It's like I pull out Zen on some of these maps and if I got the wrong teammates, they're like, oh, swap Zen. Like that's the worst support in the game. And I'm sitting here like, well, as long as I don't die, we auto win because that's the other experience is the enemy tank like on circuit, they, they try to get, they try to hold the corner, let's say on A where the checkpoint is like they often do. And as long as you just like exist and line of sight him, you will slowly win. That That's just how it works. And I kind of think, A, that is a bad mechanic from the tank point of view. I'm not sure what to do about it, um, other than maybe if there was more ways to um, take it off you. Like, for example, we, we felt the same way about Ana Ansi for the start of the game. We were like, wow, that, and we kind of liked that patch too. I think a lot of people did, but Ana was like hard carrying, and then Kiri was added to the game. So if there was another mechanic that could cleanse the Discord off you, maybe we might feel a little differently about it which is also why I'm thinking of like the line of sight breaks and ways to outplay it. Barriers um, count, breaking line well, of sight, the, I think that would be a good change. Might be OP. With, the, with that though, is that unlike an Ananade, you though? just put it back on. You just put it back on though, right? Like with an Ananade, yeah, you cleanse you... it, the ability's gone. You drop your shield, he just puts it back on. Yeah, well, I think put a cooldown on it too. That would be like a pretty easy thing. Well, they they did play. change this a while back and made made it not linger as long, which I think mattered a lot actually. Like like before, you had to stay in cover for like multiple seconds, and I think they dropped it um, maybe a full second or something, which to me matters quite a bit because the the cast time in between, like like I, I think you're going to notice this change significantly. But in any case, um, the other argument I would say to sort of uh, counterbalance this is like. I think we're starting to see the world of um, the split between tank power and support power. And you might think in theory, support power in the game is going to make tanks feel better. But in reality, often it doesn't because then it makes support diff matter, right? If like supports are weak, these little play things that just get run over and they have to run away for their lives in order to play, which is what most support players said it was like um, many patches ago, like near the start of the game then tanks kind of just run them over and, and their gameplay matters more. Whereas, as we've seen over time, with supports trying to get increased power and agency, now what support you have and how they play matters a ton to your gameplay. Um, and I felt this like in the first um, testing of Kiriko, where I'm playing Ryan and then I realize, wow, if I pin this guy and diff him and, and push into him and then he gets Suzu'd, it's like, now I die. <laughs> and, and then I'm like, okay, so I have to wait. And then we're seeing all these other examples of like, well, I would carry, but the Mercy Beam protects it. Or I would diff this tank, but I got a Discord on me all the time, so now I have to play defensive. 
I, I don't know what they do about this because the more I think that's a, a principle essentially is what I'm trying to point out is like the more agency the supports have, the more influence they have over the tank battle. And if you like, in theory, we would say, well, both teams should have a Zen then to make that feel fair. But in reality, what happens is you you get these uh, not synchronized team comps in Overwatch, and then it makes it difficult because. Us, us DPS Moira's out here, if I should speak for another uh, <laughs> group of, of players, like the thing I, I do, like, like, for example, if I have like a Winston teammate and we're playing against the Zen and he's going in deep, like I kind of appreciate that and then start throwing discord orbs or uh, uh, Moira orbs at the Zen and, and overwhelm him. But uh, that's kind of like all you can do basically on some of these maps is like play hyper aggro with a very divey swarmy playstyle, or just mirror it. And I don't know. All I got to say to that is hero bans, and <laughs> because otherwise, like, <laughs> like Discord, Discord is going to hard carry some of these sniper maps. Like Col those the two maps I mentioned, like Coliseo as well. Like some of these long range maps, you're just not getting the Zen really like economically multiple times throughout the course of a game. And so, Discord in any capacity is going to be quite strong. I think um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be against trying to nerf it, but I think like. Zen players are already been struggling, like on in general. It's like what we're describing is a really high tier thing that most players don't don't um, experience. I feel so. A lot of the balance for support so far has been to get the like average players experience to feel playable. Because prior to this point, the major complaint was support was unplayable. And keep in mind, I didn't say that. I was like, hey, I'm GMO support. I play like half of them pretty well. I was I was happy as support. But this is just like the mainstream opinion where, um, you know, most of them think Zen sucks already, even though this is like the best map pool for him. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what they do to solve that. I don't really have any uh, other than playing with uh, some mechanics. Yeah, so I think Sam and Flats both have something to inject, but go ahead. So you're right, except I think the one thing that we're missing, and this is where I kind of want to give credit to the balance team here is with map pools going away, I think the big reason why Zen was struggling is that all of his best maps weren't in the map pool. But with the map pools gone, I think Zen, an already sleeper character, like the reason why I think you're seeing so many good Zens this map is that there are three maps in Escort specifically where he is very, very good. Um, it, like, you know, C Circuit, he was already good, right? Now, Junker Town. Oh, Rip Frito. Um, he doesn't want to hear your shit. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the good part yet. Um, and then um, what's the what's the third one? Havana's back now, right? So you have a lot of maps where Zen is is good, and with Brig being better now, like the key to Zen being played is that there needed like there was no anchor support. I don't want to say good enough because I think Brig was good, but like for for she didn't get her rally buffs, she hadn't had her pack changes yet, and the way the tank play in the game was favored was kind of against Brigida. For a while, because in Overwatch, the last time she was played was in that Junker Queen meta, which was in a beta. So everyone thought Brig was bad. And also, devs, I'm begging you guys. We've been I've been asking for this Brig change for years, and I think this would actually help people realize just how good the character is. They have got to change how Inspire is visually shown, because your average player is gonna have no idea like what they're actually contributing as Brig, which is why I think her win rate was so bad in lower ranks. Like, the game doesn't show you what you're actually doing, right? And I think people will be blown away. Lu Lucio's circle, his heel circle, is 12-meter radius, 24-meter diameter. Briggs is a 40-meter diameter, and it's in, a, it's in a spear, right? So it is a massive range that no one really knows about. Come about the well. 
Elmwood the yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wish I had the, the tweet, but it literally, like, Briggs and Spy Radius is the entire point of Ilios Well. Like, that massive spear, right? And your average player is never going to know that. So little indicators like that, I think, would be a big help, especially to support players in the lower SRs that are struggling. But Zen has really benefited from Brig finally making her debut in Overwatch 2 post-beta as a very strong pick. Um, and especially Brig was also back because Ball was bad, and, and Brig is super good into Ball. Um, hard counters Ball, in my opinion. Well, that's not a hard counter Ball, but like she is very good into Ball. Um, so my next guy I've decided is going to be a brig guide where I'm going to like break this stuff down. Finally teach the wow, what, a, what an art. Brigida. What an uh, art. But yeah, I think, I think, yeah, well, we're back. Um, but yeah, no, I think with map pools going away, Zen is definitely going to get a shine. He just got the short end of the stick of a lot of things. And I think that come season four, a lot of these things should even out a lot. And I don't think it's because Zen is bad or supports are bad. Mm -hmm. I think that the game just didn't favor it and people just don't know. Go ahead, Flats. So Yes, so sorry. Can I just quickly chime in? Because I'll give my oh, perspective. Yeah. I want to hear Flats. Because as someone who who has played a lot of Zen, uh, like I spent almost like the first three or four weeks just playing mostly Zen and some Ana. But that was when in, in Overwatch One. But that was when or Overwatch Two Season One. Sorry. But that was when Sombra was OP. So I was not having a good time because you just get decloaked on and and fucked. I think there is again, as Frito said before. I don't know. I think I think he's still listening. He's got his wireless headphones in. I think what he alluded to is correct in that there is a bit of a discrepancy because I know both Flats and Sam, you guys raised your eyebrows when, when Frito was like, well, Zen, you know, people think he's bad. Like he's kind of trashed here in, in some areas. And again, it's like Sam kind of nailed it where it's like when he has that other support who makes him the fortress that Flats described, he's he's the value he provides is crazy. But the, the sort of dichot the dichotomy, the discrepancy is that when you're playing, when you're like your average solo queue player, the whole advice, and I'm sure we all like have given this advice to people who are like, how should I climb SUV? Is like, well, just just forget about what your team is doing. Just do your own thing. Like, don't don't bother what your team is doing. Focus on yourself. Just do your own thing. And Zen just doesn't fit there. So he's like this, he's this bit of this incongruous hero where when he's left alone, he's just like tearing shit up. But all of a sudden you leave him on your own. He's solo queue. He's on his, he's vulnerable. He's on his own. You just, you can't even pick the character. You just get farmed, right? It's like, again, he has this weird relationship with Wrecking Ball where at the highest elo, he counters Wrecking Ball. But outside of that, if you don't help your Zen, Wrecking Ball is just like a free farm on Zen every single time. You PD, like you just, you do what, what Yedl described as the poop and scoop, uh, or scoop and poop, sorry. The scoop hit him and then you slam. 150 damage so like the zen is dead basically already before he has the chance to really do much else so this is real like i do think that they should they they could think about some way to change discord orb because as someone who played zen like i don't you don't really get a lot of satisfaction discord orbing anyone like it's not a very interactive thing you just oh i put it on and now we do more damage so like they could consider adding something that like a different form of utility instead of discord orb because I love, I, the, the, when I play Zen, I love fragging out. I love being able to just like go on a flank. Also, by the way, there's so many of these sneak uh, parts of Zen's kit that aren't like thought about. But the fact that he has silent footsteps is actually massive. Like you actually get so many flanks off because you don't, nobody fucking hears you. So you just roll up on the side right next to the Widowmaker. Bink, bink, you're dead before she realizes. So like the silent, the pings through the walls, the silent movement are like these actual sneak parts of Zen's kit that are like kind of crazy. But... I think they could move Discord Orb in that direction too because I do think it feels unfun for the person receiving it because you're like, oh, great, now I'm just going to die. And there's not a lot of satisfaction there. And it doesn't address the core frustration of the Zen player either, which is when I'm playing solo queue, when I'm playing on my own, I'm just getting farmed. If there's like X, there's a few heroes, like if they just pick X heroes, my character's unplayable. 
So like I think they could they could shift in that way. But I, I'm curious again if Flats has to feedback on any of what's been discussed. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a very dangerous game to say. Well, if player lower player perception is that this character isn't good, so then that's fine. It's like have you not seen TikTok Moira's since the the game the day the game released? Like, if that was true, Moira should have been gutted into the ground. Like, I, there's also low rank players think that Ryan has been meta since the game was released. You know, and it's like there's a reason why it's so hard to balance this game. It's like you can't like uh, if you listen only to like top 500 and stuff like that, the low rank players aren't gonna have a good time. But also, like in the opposite direction, also is true. Because things like Discord Orb is also going to affect the lower rank players. They just don't realize why. They just don't think they're getting enough healing. That's the problem. It's like they're they're having the same experience, but they can't figure out the reason. Like they're not. They literally just don't have the the cognitive fun function to figure out why they're having a certain experience. They think it's something else. So they get mad at their support players and they go, "Well." You're playing Zen, dude, and you should be playing Bat more uh Bat Mercy so you can double pump me on heals. Well, they're also they're playing a Zen on the enemy team, and they just put a Discord orb on the tank, and now they're losing every fight, and they think it's because they're not getting enough healing. Like that that's one of those things. It's like, yeah, they don't understand they they genuinely don't understand. And I also want to wonder to SVB, how many like silver ball players know how to poop and scoop? Like how many? Like seriously, I bet they barely can roll through. They probably roll up, maybe get the boop, and then pop out, and they just use the gun form, and then the Zen just like kind of like just sits like does like small ad ad movements, and then the other support has no awareness to come help them, and then they die. And it's like, yeah, a Zen's gonna lose a one v one v one to a six hundred HP, possibly up to twelve hundred HP ball. Of course, that's gonna happen. Like, but that doesn't mean that Discord Orb is still a bad thing. Like. You could put Discord up to 45%. They're still going to lose the 1v1 to the ball. It's not going to win. So I, it's one of those things where, like, I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm totally somebody that, like, that understands that it you you balance towards the higher ranks a little bit just to, like, to understand, like, how... Oh, I'm going, I'm going back to the dark side again. Like, <laughs> you make things, like, you know, so they're not broken at the high end. And, but you also, like, remember in, remember in Overwatch 1, we didn't understand, like, Reaper was getting buffed? Like and Reaper got nerfed randomly at one point. We're like, why is Reaper getting nerfed? Like, what the fuck? And it's like because in the lower ranks he was dominating. He was just running it down. Like when he had like fifty percent life steal, he was just holding W. Just yeah. everything deleted. Nobody stood a chance. The silvers are falling over. They they're all screaming. Like those are things that you need to keep in in mind for. And like you know, making sure they also have a good experience because uh, they deserve it just as much as we do. But at the same time, though, uh, to sit there and like, and they go, "Oh, Discord's not good," like, like Zen is not good. Yeah, but that's like their perception sucks. Like, it's not good. Like, we did. A, I did a tier list the other day with Emong and Siegel. And Siegel, we we talked about support. Siegel was actually was was talking about putting Zen as S tier. He didn't want to put Ana S tier, Kiriko S tier. Uh, he thought Bap was the worst support in the game. Like, didn't want to put Lucio S tier. Didn't want to put any supports S tier but Zen because of how much Zen brings to the table. But like. You know, in Overwatch 2, Zen hasn't been really that impactful yet. Like, there's also still lower-ranked players that think, like, Lucio is hard meta. No, he's not. Like, in higher rank right now, Lucio's still good. But, like, how many Lucios were in there in top 10? Was there a lot? I wouldn't say there was a ton. I think, I think there was more. I think they're flexing to him right now. 
And, and again, to give credit, it's really map dependent. It really True. is. And, I, and that's that's what's really good about this patch. It's like it's all map dependent. Continue. Sorry, it is. Sorry. It really, really is. But like that just brings it back to the end of the day, though, is like if you base the idea of like, well, you don't touch Discord or because like most of the player base thinks it sucks. It's like they don't even understand why it's they're dying. Like, like so no, actually, it's, you know, no, it's, it's sort gonna... of a, Sorry, sorry. I was just gonna say I, I actually I agree with you. I just wanted to say like I, I agree with you. What I was saying is like why I think when you say nerf Discord orb, like Zen mains get angry because they're like, well, my hero already gets fucked in solo queue. But I agree with you. Like I think Discord should be thought about again because I don't think the Discord orb is helping deal with the frustration of the Zen player, nor is it making him a healthier character for the game. Continue. Hot yes. take also. Yes. Hot take. Zen is not unqueuable in solo queue right now. I think Zen is one of the best solo queue picks you can have in the support role right now. On God, if you I think for I think for your elo inability, yes. I think for your elo inability, Sam. Like I think if you're like if you're picture if you're like equally good at like Zen and let's say you're like equally good at Moira or Mercy, you're, you're like you know if your mechanics are not there, you're just gonna like struggle. So like you're not gonna frag your way out of situations. You're just gonna put Discord orb on the tank and then you're gonna I, hit a few shots on them. But like I, if somebody dies, like, you're dead. The damage is good, and I know getting limbs are important. But like I think if you have good spacing on Zen. And you have like a decent team, like you can consistently be the deciding factor. I just think that he's really slept on right now. And I think that once you get that basic level of awareness, like I would say once you get to plat diamond and up, gold and under, I'm with you because you know, but I, I think once like high plat to like higher on those right maps, like he will be really, really good to queue. Uh I actually I agree with Sam on this one, mainly because I think a lot of players are still in the kaiju wars in the tank department and i don't know what the the community or the devs do about this because on one hand i see what flats is talking about whereas there's a lot of maps where like i pick zen and the enemy tank does not get past like a certain spot ever and we just full hold right um that does not seem very healthy but i also wonder it's like I feel like there's a lot of boosted tank players that I'm up against, like these Ram players that are expect to live everything always. And I'm just going to walk forward all the time and I have infinite health. Da, da, da. And they nerfed the ultimate now. So you don't get carried by that. Now, like maybe in the previous patch, like Zen with the infinite ultimate, he uses ult, you use ult and you feel like an idiot. Cause it's like, Oh, is ult still going and you're, you're roll. Whereas now you discord that guy whether he's trying to take space or in his ult, and you actually can fry him through block and all this. And and so, I don't know. On one hand, we've got these, like, giga tanks no one feels they can kill, but then we're worried that when they can be killed, I don't know what they do exactly, because it, it is one of those, like, win more type mechanics where if, if you're set up appropriately, it is so hard to deal with in the way that, like, you do auto win. That's how I feel like. It's like, if I'm on Zen... And they're on certain tanks where I can discord them and, and not block my line of sight um, so that I can damage them, that we just straight up win. And the way I see it happen, like, I feel like <clears throat> when Flats describes it, he knows how to outplay it. So he's, like, trying to outplay it, but knows he just has to stay passive the whole time and just sort of live and, and not really venture too far. But what I experience <laughs> is the enemy tanks who, as I'm describing, it's like Midtown, for example, uh, tanks are just sort of used to walking forward. And as Zen, you've got this long line of sight from they've got to cross um, in order to get anywhere meaningful. And you discord them, and they're just falling over and over and over again. And I, I, I don't know what, what to do with it necessarily because I, I think they're really struggling to try to give support some power. And I, I think the mechanic should be looked at in terms of to make it more active and, and um, thoughtful, essentially. But I also think 
as I've said, maybe from the start of the launch of the game, is that the support is the class that we should expect to have that RPG element, right? And I think there's a lot of players that really like a lot of the passive value that is in the the role inherently. And if I think uh, Mercy's overpowered healing is like a good thing for the support role, then like I, I sort of have to mirror that opinion with with Zen, where like having something you cast and it's like my strength like here's something that we in this call especially like don't um of of the appeal of the game to a lot of players which is they want to be like i picked zen and my big brain by selecting this character is outplaying something that the enemy doesn't understand yet it's like like sort of playing a card game almost that's what it feels like it's like well i'm gonna swap to zen so their ram can't just like walk forward constantly and and now i feel empowered because i understand this component of the game and um, I think they're trying to put that in the in the sport category quite a bit. And at a higher tier level, that like bores us to death. And we're like, <laughs> like, please don't have stuff like that. But like for the, the casual player, the, the counter spell aspect of it is sort of rewarding. And yeah, I, I don't know what else to do. It's like the, the fundamentals we want in the game is like the teamwork takes space, team fight, build to ultimates, the, the sort of interchange of abilities. And once in a while in the game, there's these... Uh, uh, hard mark, let's say hard, hard, and that's what I would describe Discord as, where um, it's sort of a Lord of the Rings. You shall not pass <laughs> if sets in the back there, and you're getting discorded. Um, it, it really isolates to what you're able to pick, uh, essentially. But so it, I have a question. None of players understand this like di dynamic. It's like I wonder if like when when we learn enough, will we start to outplay that? Is kind of what I was trying to get to, I guess. I get you. Flats. I have a question for you. Uh, you're saying you say boosted tank players, which, by the way, I've been hearing the phrase boosted tank players since season 16 with double shield. Like, <laughs> no, like, yeah. like, I really I, I've just kind of like I, I'm numb to it at this point because everyone just says everyone's a boosted tank player. Like if season one, it was Zarya, Zarya players. Then it was hog players. Now then it was Arisa players. Then it was Ramacha players. And it's like. You're playing tank, though, like tank has always been the role that if you don't play the meta tank, you just get hard flame the entire game. You can't off-roll tank a lot of times without people getting pissed at you like there's great examples in the community that like people have like played doomfist when doomfist was shit like quake dawn's a good example of that when he's playing doomfist everyone everyone was like you know fuck them like you just throw my games you know all this stuff people if you're a tank player games, yeah. yeah if you're you're basically required to play whatever is meta so you're like when you say things are boosted they're playing whatever is meta and that is like literally the culture of overwatch like the player base, both DPS and supports, will always want the tank players to play what's meta. DPS has so many choices for what's meta at this point. Like, you can pretty much pick almost whatever, and people are going to be like, yeah, that's cool, that's fine, it's whatever. Support is even actually somewhere in the same category right now. There's, there's exceptions, and even then, support players don't swap a lot of time. When I play Ryan, I think I have a Lucio player once every nine games. Like, they don't, people don't want to play Lucio. They want to play Zen. They want to play Mercy. They want to play uh, Ana. They want to play Kiriko. You'll have Ana Kiriko a lot of times. So it's like... It's actually more on the tank players to play meta, and that's actually why this season I think is actually kind of fun, where there's a lot of things that are playable. But what I, what I, my question to you though, is, is it good game design or is it okay game design that when you are in the lower ranks, I'm talking bronze through low diamond, you are rewarded for playing aggressive, fast W key holding tank play. Then once you run into masters, you hit a brick fucking wall. Because now the game is about those cooldowns, those abilities that can punish you hard. And now your entire, what you've learned, or even hero pool, 
This happened a lot with like Rhine players. If you looked like season one, season two, bottom middle masters was full of Rhine players. It's all it was. It was all Rhine players because they bullied their way through the lower ranks and then brick wall when they ran into the the hog players, Zarya players, Ramacha players, Orissa players, Winston players, even a little bit. Like you just brick wall, you're just fucked. And you're like, well, my whole play style doesn't exist anymore. So, like, what do I do? There's no other things in the game, though, at the moment that do that, right? So it's like, at some level, I feel like, you know, people just say like, oh, it's fine. Like, they're just punished. And it's like, but the play styles are so different that, like, if you're a lower-ranked tank player, you have to fundamentally relearn the game to go from the high diamond, low masters area to crack into the high masters, low GM area. And then relearn it again to go from GM to top 500. It's actually insane the levels of difference of what you get away with. And I even, I even, I even sometimes I can show it off in like a quick play game. Like if I get in a game and it's like lower ELO quick play game, I can go 28 0, just walk over the enemy team. But if you get one of those like top 500 quick play games, you just stand there. You just AFK. It is like you'll still win, but it's like that looks way more boring. It's way different. Is that okay? Is that actually good? Is there things that should just for existing shut you down that hard um and i wonder you know something like anna anna for the longest time everyone thought anna was shit right and then she got the four second buff and was really good um and now it's 3.5 anna is actually exceptionally good and if they, uh, your teammates decide not to go kiriko as a tank player there's three or four tanks you literally cannot pick ramatra is a great example ramatra's you know like staff form it's just poke like you're not you don't have any killing power in that form it's all about the nemesis form but if they have an ana you're slept in anti even with block discord orb plus block you're dead you're you're fucking toast so you know if you don't have a kiriko you just lose the game you know what i mean so it's like i feel like there's a lot there's a lot of things to talk about there where it's like someone just picks something and half your hero roster is gone and on top of that too your play style can't exist either so I, I almost wonder, I'm worried. I'm, I'm personally a little worried for the tank role um, overall because I have a scalding hot take at this point. I think, I think in Overwatch entire history, it's always been tank diff, no matter what. Even at the highest level, having an insane tank would always be just enough. Like, yeah, there were some small exceptions, but mostly. Overwatch 2, I think tank is arguably... The least impactful role. Phew. Quite a little bombshell to drop there. Frito, I have thoughts on that, but I want you to respond first to the question was directly explicitly at you. Yeah, quite quite a lot there. Um, well, I think the win by existing thing happens a lot on a lot of different roles, and one of them is Reinhardt. Like, I've seen teams have no idea how to counter Reinhardt on some of these maps, as if they've never played against the character before. And the have a shield in front, like having a character that can play the cart and also aggress forward with a shield and has kill potential. It's like Ryan is hard carrying by existing as well now in this season, I feel. So I think that happens a lot is, is kind of my point with uh, it, it's almost like the knowledge of what to do against certain things. And so there's always going to be characters that win for free. And last season, I would say it was Ramatra. And the reason I say that is because I'm seeing players in my games that have no neutral game at all. 
they don't understand target priority. Oh, this is flanking us. Who should we target first? They just sort of walk forward, get heals, shoot the enemy tank, get ults, and that's their whole entire play style. I've, I've seen this too much. And those players are still trying to do that as Ram in Season 3 and me playing, you know, I, I mentioned playing Zen, but I also play tank as well. It's been going quite well. And if you play an engaged style tank like uh, Winston, I'm just farming their backline. They don't know how to respond. It's like, I, I don't know. I think Ram players is the most boom or bust experience for me because they're so highly statted, but they're so technical. The character is so technical that that's why I call Ram players boosted. Now, I, I'm also kind of saying there's some Rhine players that are boosted by how viable he is now and how bad the community is at playing against it. It's not so much that um, it's not counterable, but at in my games anyway, I struggle to pick a ball and expect my team to know how to flank the Rhine. They just sort of like hold position against him and shoot him. So... It's not that I disagree with you necessarily. It's just like, I don't know how the devs fix this problem of knowledge being an issue because you get these like, let's say hit scan players, especially that think they're just going to hold position and be fine against the Rhine. And he keeps gaining space, gaining space. And if you don't have a character like Zen, like in the game, let's say, or viable from the support position, you sort of just like lose or you'll get a tank who, let's say, mirrors the Rhine positioning instead of diving the back line or, or whatever uh, as Winston. Um, so... I don't have a solution, but there's, there's, yeah, I, I think I, I've made the point. There's a lot of auto win things that exist. And I think Ram, like you kept, you kept listing things like, well, I've heard things about double shield boosted players, this boosted player that's existed. Yeah. I think it like Overwatch is a game where you are severe. And I uh, experienced this on the reverse from last season where I lost a ton because I was sucked at Widow. I sucked at Roadhog. Like I just was bad last season on like every role. And so I lost a, a bunch of things. So now I'm boosted by my hero pool being good again. And I think that happens to a lot of players and it's much more fluid than any other game I've ever like watched, played, etc. Like, I, I don't know. I would argue that more things are like that rather than like the fundamentals being true. The, the fundamentals might be like if you're a, we mentioned like get quaked on or something. Like if you're a, a specialist at a character and you're still able to maintain at a, a really high rank, those are kind of the outliers, but I think the vast majority of the player base sort of just like has their hero pool. It exists, uh, whatever it is, and the SR they get kind of goes up and down. Like players do improve somewhat, but I think there's a, a much bigger factor of like all of a sudden something's playable um, when it was kind of bad before. Like Ryan was just straight up bad against Roadhog or Risa Meta in season two. Just like because Hog was so forgiving and and Hog was boosted, <laughs> it's it's a circle of boost. Okay, it just keeps <laughs> going round and round and round. It's like the season changes now. Now Hog, good luck, good luck playing Hog at all right now. And I think we have to sort of decide sometimes, like what amount of this we're willing to accept. Like I think we feel a bit better about it when it's Ryan because he feels better to play around. But um, expecting my team to know how to counter it has not been a thing so far. So personally, I've just been like mirroring Ryan and marking him as Ryan, because my mm -hmm. team's not going to like do the higher level uh, tactics in order to flank around him. They give him way too much value by thinking they can kill him when they can't. And the only way you think you can kill him is if you hit a support ability that disables him. So Ana and Zen are kind of like the only ways, in my opinion. So I, I just want to kind of uh, appreciate all those points, Frito. I think I agree with most of them. I, I, I want to like respond to Flats' initial question, which was like, the play style shift that comes for let's say a Reinhardt player like in the in the middle ranks transitioning to master and then transitioning to GM and like how that aggression is punished I would say I have like I, w I wouldn't disagree with flats but I would say I would perhaps add some more nuance to it that I th the two points I think will feed into what he said and also about the tank being perhaps the least impactful 
I think what you described happens in every role. It's just the most punishing in tank. Like, because I've seen this a lot with players that I coach on, like, support, for example. Because the thing is, like, a lot of people AFK on support and heal bot, and, like, that, that gets them to a certain place. But then they get to, like, a rank where heal botting isn't enough. And from their POV, they're like, I made no mistakes. I didn't die. I healed people like I thought I was supposed to. And I lost this game. Why did I lose this game? And it's like, well, the answer is you didn't adapt to, like, the now rank or you're in or the lobby you're in. You didn't actually... Uh, you okay, Flat Sam? Uh... Okay, well, Sam, Sam's got some technical issues, but I think w the rest of us are all good, yeah? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, so the point being, the, the player hasn't adapted to the new lobby. Uh, now Frida's gone. Well, this is the whole, we're, we're having musical chairs here. Oh, Anyways, I'll keep going. I'll keep going. The player hasn't adapted. <laughs> They're all leaving. The player, it's just me and you, Flats, now. Personal one. Fair enough. Um, the player hasn't adapted to their new situation. And I see this a lot. Like, the support player, just he doesn't know how to how to make aggressive plays anymore. Oh, and now I'm gone. He's gone. Wait a minute. Now I'm gone. Is it Discord? Is wait, Discord no, no, you're back. Up? Wait, wait, wait a minute. I think oh, Discord's wait. having a moment. Are you guys not lagging there? No. No, chilling. not until no, I we just DC for a sec. I got SVB went full Terminator. I am from the future. No, um... <laughs> So, I'll quickly try and reiterate. So, yeah, I think what Flat said happens, but for support in every role, but most prominently for tank, like I said, supports, you can AFK. At a certain point, you have to realize that you need to make a play, but they don't do that because they haven't adapted. They've, like, their one play style has worked for them so far, and they don't know how to adapt, and that's, like, a punishing thing. And I think the same can happen for DPS players, where they, like, they just keep ego dueling certain things and then losing, and then being like, why am I losing? But the difference with tank is that you get punished the hardest. Basically, because like, if you go, like, that's always how it's been. You're the giant target everyone wants to kill. And if you go aggro and you don't re recognize that, like, this thing can kill me now. Because a lot of people, if I had to say the number one mistake that people make that stops them from climbing to, like, the highest ranks. Is that they don't adapt to the comps they're facing, basically. They just, like, they just play one way all the time. So they'll be like, if they're running Ryan, they won't change if they're going up against Ana, against Kiriko, against Zen. Like, they're just doing the same thing, and then they lose, and they're like, why did I lose? And, like, that gets w worse on tank. And actually, there's an interesting discussion that SK uh, like, tweeted about, and I engaged with her as well, where she said, you know, she's flexed on all three roles at GM, like, top top 500, and she thinks DPS have the most impact. Uh, and I, I agree with that take. What I would say is, I think... Tanks have the biggest impact to throw the game. Like the tank diff happens yes, negatively. Yes. Where you're, if your tank is shite, doesn't know what he's doing, you just lose because like you'll never get to play the game. But if you're popping off his tank, it's very easy to counter you by just counterpicking you. Basically, they just go, oh, okay, that guy's playing that guy really well. We'll just pick these heroes. Now, now he has to sit AFK for the entire game or switch himself. DPS, mm -hmm. if they're popping off, like th there's very little you can do sometimes to stop them. I think this season's been better, which is why we're all having more fun. Like, in previous seasons, it's like, there's a Widowmaker across the map. Sojourn doing her thing. You can't do shit. There's nothing you can do. You just lose that game. If you're like, if there's Sojourn diff, Widow diff, you lose. Supports are the, I like the sneak carries. Where they're like, again, I felt this this season playing Reinhardt a lot. Where if I'm playing like Rhine Mirror on King's Row. If he ha if the enemy Rhine has like Ana Kiriko, I'm just a puppet. Because like, I get hit with it. I just get hit with a fucking nade. I'm sitting AFK. My support doesn't cleanse me. I'm just like, well, I, I just got to stand here. Then I try to do something. Bong! The cleanse comes in. I slam three people. <laughs> Bong! They're up again. And I'm like, oh. Well, that was great, wasn't it? Seriously. 
<laughs> you just That's fucking, you just, I just, you just feel like a puppet on the string where I'm like, oh, I got nano. I guess I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Oh wait, no, they cleanse. Oh, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. I'm nated, I'm back. Oh wait, I got cleanse. I'm in, I'm in. You know, like you're just like doing what the supports tell you to do. So like, <laughs> really there's like, like that it really do be like that. So like, it's it's a lot of nuance to it. I think there's a lot of nuance to it. But overall, I'm still pretty happy with like, I get to, I feel like I get to play the game and play the heroes I want to play. Unlike last season where it was like, if I don't mirror Orisa Roadhog, you're just like throwing the game. So like, I'm still, I'm still relatively happier, Sam. So I feel like I have one of the better perspectives on this as somebody, like, I feel like across all three roles, like I like have like a good hero pool in each role and I can take it like towards the upper ends of the game. Uh, I think it's kind of, so, okay. I struggle the most to win on tank. For a couple of reasons. However, the disparity between how much impact each role can provide is really, really close. Right? Like, I find each role to be very winnable a lot of the time. Um, so, and that's credit to the game and the state it's in right now. Like, I, like I, I don't think that margin is massive. So when I say that tank is the hardest to do it on, I'm not saying it's a massive margin between each of the roles. I think they're actually in a very great spot for how you can impact the game. The reason why I think tank is the most difficult of them all right now is because when we swap to one tank, as one player, what's required of you to get value, you need to have a wider berth of skill sets because there's only one tank to answer the counter comps that go to swap you. For example, like Flat said, if you don't have a Kiri and they go on a Zen and you're forcing Ram, you can do it, but it's very hard. In order, what would be better for you to do is to counter pick to like a Sigma in that situation, or depending on the map, obviously, or like a, a ball, or because you could dive the Zen. Like, like the skill sets required of you, if they pick specific things, needs to be more on tank than any other role. And that, like, for example, like, when, especially with the matchmaker changes, too, like, the reality is, when you talk about, and this is, what, like, the big thing I was talking about, like, oh, a lot of my we this week, right, when I talked about Widow being the brig of DPS, which she is, I stand by that, <laughs> follow-up is way too good, there was no other hero in the game that changes how the game is played just by being picked in a ranked environment where the matchmaker nowadays is consistently picking up, especially if you're playing tank, like Diamond DPS, cosplaying James Bond, going 007, zero kills, zero assists, seven deaths, right? On Soldier, I saw that. It was really funny. My teammates in Sports Soldier. I, I, I I've actually seen people use that insult now, Sam. You started really a new funny. insult. I've seen it's people funny. use that insult in their games. You it's, go it's, fucking it's 007. Funny. It's really funny. It's really funny. James Bond, calm down, man. Swap heroes. But especially with the matchmaker, like in a proper game setting, right? Which... SPB, could we go to Matchmaker after this section or segment? Because that yeah, I was going to anyway. So I think this leads okay, nicely. Perfect, yeah, Matchmaker perfect, perfect. and inflation. Because this point, this is two two points in one. Oh. The way to properly play tank sometimes, the best you can do against specific comps is set it up perfectly for your team. And the reality is, if you've got Diamond DPS getting pulled up into a like higher lobby, they're not gonna follow up there. So the reason why tank can be the hardest one, and I think this is actually well-designed from the team because that's as, as powerful as tanks should get if it's only one, right? Is the best you can do sometimes is set it up. And you're not going to win every game, right? So that's why I found tank to be the hardest because it's the mo most consistently you're going to have lobbies where you don't have the players 
who have the hero pool or skill sets to follow up on what's needed of you to do to answer their comp in the most optimal way. And there's not really a way to fix that, right? Going against Widow is one of those examples on some of these maps. Going against Ana Zen when you don't have the Kiri, if you have like, you know, uh, Moira Mercy and you have to play Sig pretty much because you don't have any big cooldowns from your supports to help you engage on their team. Like, I think Tank gets the short end of that stick the most, but also in the right situations, it's absolutely doable to power through. Um, so it, it's that in tandem with the matchmaker who, which has been changed, which I actually, at first I was really annoyed because I was, I was playing Doom against like the Mercy buffs and I was playing Arissa too. And I was just getting DPS who could not follow up. Like I was doing everything perfectly. Like literally my damage per 10 on Doomfist was about like 11,000 damage per 10. For context, like most of the most powerful DPS that I play that are played are averaging like 9k. I was doing 11,000 damage per 10. Like literally I could not play the hero any better than I was doing. And I was losing these games. And I was like, all right. You can't win them all. Like, that's the mentality I've learned. And, like, that's the main thing I'd encourage people at home to learn when playing comp. It's like, you're not going to win every game. A 60% win rate is considered a fantastic win rate in this game. Even 55% is considered good, right? It's kind of like the MLB where it's like, you're only hitting the ball three out of ten times and you're on the, you're an all-star. Like, you're hitting it three out of ten times, but that's just the reality of, like, the, the sport. And in this case, the reality of Overwatch is, you know, you're not going to win every game. So... With that regard, like, playing tank is definitely very frustrating, especially with, like, the situations of the matchmaker coming up. But I, I, I do think—I think this is where I'm going. I think the matchmaker changes are needed because the queue times at high-level play for tank were—it was unplayable. And I know people are upset saying they'd rather have a longer match. You can't be a competitor in the gaming industry with queue times that high. You can't. You just cannot. It is—you're insecuring in Warzone lobbies. You're insecuring in Rebirth. You're insecuring—you're not insecuring in Valorant, but they're pretty fast, I assume— um, you're insecuring in Fortnite, right? Like you're insecuring in Apex, you name it. Like the queues cannot be over seven minutes or even five, I would say is really, really tough. So it's a necessary sacrifice, especially when no matter if your games are optimal or perfect, like you're going to lose a lot of those anyway. And I think that, you know, I, I shout out to Cloudy for kind of like responding to my tweet where I was like, what the hell is going on with the matchmaker? He was like, nah, this is better. Like, I'm, I'd rather get the games. And I sat there and I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Like, you're actually right, you know? So it, it, it took me some time to, like, really think about that and come to that conclusion. But I think it's better for the game. Um, so I'm not sure if that was a good segue. Into no, that, it was but... it was really good. Yeah. I w Go ahead, Sam. Yeah. You had something else to add? I was just going to wrap it up. Basically, a couple things. One, the disparity between the roles getting value isn't that big. So when I say that tank's the hardest role to get that value on sometimes because you need the wider skill set and it's really situational and matchmaker, like, I still think it's all very close. So it's like, it's almost like arguing, oh, I have gold damage when your whole team's like 3 and 11, right? The old comments, <laughs> right? you know what I mean? It's like stuff like, it's like you guys all have like 2,000 damage in 10 minutes. It's not that big of a difference, right? Um, so I think, the, I think the difference isn't that big. Every role is super winnable, especially with the right skill sets. Tank just requires a little bit more because it's only one. You need a wide variety. And I think the matchmaker changes hurt Tank the most, but it's all still doable. And I, I like the way that I, I think it's a necessary evil. I don't think you can get a better solution than that. So I wanted to quickly sure give you, no, I want to quickly give you credit, Sam. One thing that you do very well is change your opinion and be public about it. Because a lot of people are very obstinate about like, they give a take. They're like, oh, I'm dying. I'm taking this take to the grave. I, sometimes you can't hit every shot you take, you know? No, but you, you're very good about, you know. I never miss, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, very, you're very good at, you know, just being like, you know what? I made that take, but reconsidering it. So I wanted to, I wanted to really give you credit for that. I have a real, I have a longish rant about the matchmaking thing. But before I go on it, I want to give Frito and Flats, if you guys have anything to chime in about what was discussed there, especially with regards to like, role impacts and things like that if you got anything you want to chime in on quite a bit last you want to go first uh sure i don't have a whole lot so i can go kind of quick 
Um, I agree with Sam, uh, but I'm I, I agree but disagree. I'm like, I agree with him. He's right, but I disagree. Like, I'm just it's just frustrating about the whole like you can set up everything to win and still lose based off of like you just lost at the queue. You know, like you like you're setting up your DPS or whatever to win. And it's like, you're not going to be able to win them all, which is fine. But my only, my only problem with that in and, and Sam's 100% right. But because of the skill sets of what tank has been for years, like not many tank players have the skill set of being able to play all the tanks at whatever level they're at. Like, in Overwatch 1, especially for years, you had the main tanks and the off tanks. And then even, like, you know, there was, like, some small disparities. Like, you know, some off tanks could play Winston here and there. And some some main tanks can play Roadhog. You know, like, there was some small things. But, like, it's tough to be able to play every single tank in optimal situations and be good at them. And because of that, uh, that's where the frustration, at least for me, is. It's, like, it's really tough to be setting your team up to win a lot of times. And then you're like, you know, you're having to play something that like maybe you're not even the best at to set them up and still kind of lose it. And it's like, oh, that's that shit's like just not fun. But 100 percent. Sam's right on all that. But uh, I think the more important one uh, is the matchmaker. I actually talked to Emong about this a bunch um, and his he, his his thing was the same was like Q times is the most important thing. Um, I think in and I agree with him. This is something kind of like we talked about uh, is like there's like a fallacy of like what is a perfect game like everyone everyone always talks about wanting a perfect matchmaking game you know a balanced game that only ever happened at like either like 8 10 p.m est when all scrims were over for all the contenders and owl players or like right before scrims or like around like six o'clock like you know like there was always like some optimal times where like everyone was on queuing for an hour or two and you'd get the 4400 plus lobbies back to back to back to back that was like two hours at peak hours during Overwatch League where everyone was scrimming. Like, it's unrealistic, you know, to, to always just think that that's going to be possible. The fast queue times were a massive improvement for being able to just get into another game because nothing's worse than waiting 15 minutes in a tank queue for what Sam just talked about, where you could play perfectly and still lose a three and a half minute push game. And it's like, then you go back in queue for another 15 minutes to get a 19-minute Havana where your both widows are playing one-tap simulator and everybody's dying. And you're like, oh my God, what do I do? And then you go back in queue for another 15 minutes. It's ass. It's awful. The fast queue times was great just because being, just get me in a game, dude. I don't care if I got diamond teammates. I don't give a fuck. Like, there's too many people that, that always, like, flame them. But it's funny. Like you don't have to flame them, but you can kind of laugh. You're like, "Holy shit, this is a this game is scuffed." Like it's it. But it's funny though. It's a good time. It's a good Better. experience. And honestly, though, like I feel like it, it it it's 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 almost like it's more independent. It's not even teammate based. Like the only time it's more teammate based is if they have a Smurf DPS player. If they have an alt account DPS player, so they have two higher level DPS players. And then you have one high level and like one plat diamond player, you're pretty much fucked. But that doesn't happen that often because the queues were happening so quick. They didn't happen that often. But like, you'd also have these really big winning and losing streaks. Like I, I me and Karki went like seven and early the other night and finished the night ten and nine. It was, it was, it was a shit show. But you know, we got games fast. We played nineteen games in like three hours, four hours. That's great. I can't play nineteen games in a ten hour long stream right now. 
It's not possible. Right, right now? Right now even? Yeah. Well, I'm okay, sorry. Sorry. The season 2 stuff. I haven't, oh, yeah, I okay. haven't played I haven't played in a few days, so I don't know like they made an adjustment. It's it's way better. I haven't played since then. Way I haven't better. played since e- even at GM1, it's like I would say at the most like Yeah, four really minutes. quick, really quick Yeah, really like, quick. The key is though to keep having faster queue times. The queue times are creeping back up though. Like I haven't I haven't been played I haven't played ranked for a few days. So I haven't played since Aaron's tweet is what I'm talking about. Like, you know, Aaron's tweet was like we're adjusting the matchmaker i haven't played ranked since then so i don't know what the queue times look like but i would much rather the fast queue times and unbalanced games and like kind of wonky than the 15 minute pretend it's going to be a balanced game when it's actually not and we go again after a three minute push yeah 100 and one thing i'd like to add on to that if if anyone the team listens or is, is hearing this um, I, I would not jump the gun and try to revert these matchmaker changes because everyone's like, what the hell is going on? I think if, if you explain it in that, it's like, look, like these queue times aren't sustainable and something had to be changed. Like, this is a better solution. Just, oh, I got, oh, I got, I got a rant on that. No worries. I got a rant on that. Well, first, I want to let Frito talk because I, I know he has had some. He's been cooking for a while. He's been so cooking let for Frito a while. Go, and then I will, uh, <laughs> I've got my right, rant Gordon. ready on the matchmaking. Go ahead, Frito. All right, Gordon, go. Yeah, I think you guys have convinced me. I, I've thought about this quite a bit, and to defend maybe my boosted tank take, it's like the mistakes I'm seeing in Season 3 on tank... Okay, let me back up for a sec. There's something I wanted to say earlier as well, where I in this season, the balance patch, I think some of the tanks got hit the worst, because even if I think a tank is like B-tier, I think picking a B-tier tank is so much more severe than a B-tier anything else. And I don't even think there is a B-tier support at the moment. But like a B-tier DPS, you can kind of play around. But a B-tier tank sort of just like slowly eventually loses and doesn't get enough value because of kind of the things you guys have been saying. Like I've tried to pick Zarya and I I think Zarya is just way too slow and everything else like outpaces her. Like I'm I'm not a fan of Zarya right now at all, even though like... Yeah, but I, I think that's just sort of the way tank performs because the peak of tank is always going to be the the kaiju character that like statistically over the course of an entire match it, you sort of have to match that value on whatever you're on and if something's just like a decent teammate like diva as well i think is is pretty meh maybe better than zarya because you can fly but um it, it's kind of tough to pick some of these picks essentially because they they just like won't do enough for an entire game like you'll make a few plays but not not enough so tank for sure is finally in like a um <laughs> the the weaker the, like definitively weaker. I think Flats has been like trying to argue this for a while. It's like, hey, hey, tanks losing crown, tanks losing crown, support players. I know you're you're mad, but tank keeps losing crown. This is like officially like the the you definitely uh I, I really loved um SVB's little rant, <laughs> the Suzu sound effect. I think that was like a a colorful display of my very nerdy explanation of like support gap mattering over over tank gap but you can you have to pick uh the right tank for sure that's always been the case I, we, we haven't mentioned as well the um 25% ult charge change which for me um it seems like the counter picking tank isn't as severe because of that actually like it's very subtle the amount but i i feel like it's kind of worked like because of the the way the numbers play i'm interested to hear you guys thought on that but so that's let's put that to the side for a moment um so Tank's kind of getting rolled in the balance patch a bit. Uh, luckily, multiple are, vi- are viable, but there- there's still some that I think are severely punished for being attempted. But um, the matchmaker, to my boosted tank argument, and and I think maybe SV possibly might talk about the whole like GM thing. Um, 
I feel like there's a lot of Masters tanks right now that have no Overwatch tank fundamentals, from what I can tell. And I'm saying this because I'm beating them. Because I'm noticing, like, in Sig Mirrors, people have no idea how to play their cooldowns, take space, like, rolling people over in that. Or I'm playing against RAM players who just were, in my opinion, it, like, I have, I'll have a RAM teammate that goes 3-7 and seven with... 10,000 damage. <laughs> I'm like, what have you been doing all game, buddy? Like, like that, that, there's something wrong there. Shoot huh? the tank, yeah. Right, right, exactly. And then we'll get an argument, and I'm six and six, and I'm not good at damage, so I didn't carry him, so it's my fault, fine. Like, like you get these situations where it, it, um, that happens. And that's where I get this, this stigma of, like, people were boosted by certain mechanics in tank because they are so severe. They, like, they've got to rank up somewhere. So you play Orisa, Hog, in last meta, you're going to be a bit boosted, and now all of a sudden... Ryan and, and and you know I, I think at GM it's it's perceived Winston's not very good but let's say Ball instead these are like very technical uh, or, or like fundamental let's say fundamental Overwatch tanks that are about taking position working with your team that stuff's back again so I'm feeling empowered and, and I'm clowning on these guys and I describe this a little bit as like the ranked roller coaster where as the balance changes and we go from like a DPS style tank meta into a more um, fundamentals-based tank meta, the it hits people really hard. And all of a sudden now, I feel like picking Ryan <laughs> is going to be so much easier than it was before. And I'm seeing a lot of Ryan players get get uh, escalate through the ranks, maybe like where you would say they should be if the fundamentals of the game are important to us. And I, I think they should be. But um, that's affecting the matchmaker too. So it's like what I'm trying... What my, my point with this is like, on one hand, I see the results of... X player rank in a lobby they shouldn't be in. Okay, that that is bad. But I also think we severely downplay the boost boom and bust effect of these massive meta swaps, where all of a sudden players have like no pathing or teamwork skill, and they've been they've gotten to whatever rank without needing it. So this is almost like uh, elaboration and doubling down on on, on Flats's point, but just kind of arguing that it applies to more things. Where like it, it like th this is why almost. A bad meta is it has ripple effect damages later on. It's like we won't weed out this. Like players won't learn how to counter Ryan if you don't have one, or how how to uh, learn a fundamentals based tank or lose the rank that you had. I mean, maybe you can play Junker Queen now, or Ball is like kind of like not quite a uh, a normal tank, let's say more, more uh, DPS oriented. But it's like a miles away miles away from Roadhog, who was solo entirely. Whereas I think. All the tanks now that are good, you better know how to work with your team. And that's having an effect on the matchmaker where if you're on the losing end of that tank battle, I think you get rolled. If you don't have the right tank pick in your hero pool, basically because the supports can counter you now because so many supports are good, um, then you'll lose. And I, I think the devs explanation of how this is supposed to work is play more games and it gets more accurate over time. So I... Basically, long way to explain that. I think there's like multiple problems with the matchmaker. And part of it is like, I go back to my argument of what SR am I really? Because if I suck at one meta, but I'm good in one in the other meta, like I'm going to go up and down based on that. So how does the matchmaker solve that? I don't think it can, essentially, because the balance of the game and what's being rewarded is so dramatically different that, um, well... I hope that we can maintain a more balanced game moving forward now that their hotfix system works better. 
but I get pretty nervous about this when we there's going to be a new hero and we know support heroes can be quite transformative and we're getting multiple I'm of nervous. them in this I'm next nervous. year. You know what I mean? Like this, this might happen again. We're like, who, who's to say we don't get like a, a like a new version of Suzu and Roadhog that like yeah, we have, we have, totally we makes us some weird Suzu combo. Yet. We have not even fixed Suzu yet. I just I don't want to let this one slide before this one's done. Please make some changes to Suzu. Like there's still a way where it can be good without making people intangible. That's 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 all I'm saying. Sorry, Frito, but I just want to get that in there at least at some point. Like there's definitely ways to improve on Suzu for everybody, in my opinion. I just wanted to let that one out there. I'm sick of intangibility. It's just not fun to play against. I think this season's the most fair Itiko has been, right? Because Agreed. like the ult is counterable. And because you can play other tanks now, like, especially like people tell me, well, she can dodge ball. And I'm like, yes, but she can't headshot him. Whereas other tanks she could. And if you have a shield tank that soaks up a lot of what she does, it, it, whether it's her damage or being able to survive to get away from her ultimate. I don't know. I, I think Kiriko is, damn it. And I said it. American again. <laughs> After all oh, my yeah, training, you, you I'm the hyperbolic time chamber to say it in the Japanese black accent. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. She seems pretty fair to me. In fact, like I, I think, especially when you learn some of the other BS in the game right now, like the there's other supports that are better. I, I, I think so. Like I think your argument is game design principles of like what it can do oh, yeah, at that's, its peak. That's what it's always been, but yeah. she's not. I don't think she's the best support for most players right now, especially when we're talking about how like Zen's oh, insane. Most players now, and yeah, for sure. And I think if if ninety percent of players, let's say the diamond and below, pick DPS Moira, it's like it's just overwhelmingly good, and to a, like an obnoxious degree, to, to the point where I'm almost like she needs to be nerfed. That's that's what I think is going to end up happening when people start abusing that. But anyway, so we made a bunch of points about the matchmaker, and then we small little side tangent about Suzu. But uh, I think that's everything I got for that mm -hmm. section. Yeah, I think I think you made great points. I think the point about like the flexibility and the variance of watches is why it's such a hard game to balance and you know where you got to give leeway to the devs and, I, and that's partly why i'm always on my like my little rant about like when you reward mediocre swapping like it creates it it compounds this problem because if everyone's just picking a hero because they're good and they're kind of mediocre at it then the minute one of those heroes becomes too strong then like everyone just gets boosted on that hero then that hero goes back down that person was is like he doesn't really have any skill sets he's developed he's just kind of exploiting the strongest hero and then when they have to play a different hero now who's the strongest, they're going to get gapped by the guy who actually knows how to play that hero. So, like, it's better to, like, balance it around the person's ability to maximize a hero. And then that way, like, the power of the heroes can be more easily, to t like, told when the people who are maximizing hero are, like, all clearly rising. Like, oh, oh, it's full of people who are really good at Doomfist. Oh, okay, so Doomfist is over too. And as opposed to, like, oh, everybody's running Doomfist because, like, just being mediocre at him is, like, enough to win. Right? Anyways... That's a little slide tangent. That's my own like personal POV. Now I like those points. Another wrinkle is like the matchmaking randomness of like some players are good at dive, some are good at brawl. It's like that that coin flip of what you get, whether you get a sim player or a Faro player or, yes. or whatever. Like everyone knows how to play their different comps. Um, not just too. their heroes. Yeah, yes. region based good affects point, that class. a lot. But yeah, yeah, the biases on the the comps people like to play matters quite a bit. For sure. So all of that is definitely like, I think that's where we sometimes are a bit harsh. I'm Myself included, when I'm playing and I get like a, a really bad teammate, I'm, I'm, I'm ranting, I'm raving. But you know, it's hard. Even maps can alter like how effective your teammate is, even if they were quote unquote balanced. Now, I want, I want to get this off my chest now because I've been seeing a lot, of, a lot of takes on Twitter.com about people talking about fake GMs, basically. That, that like the, there's been rank inflation and that there's a bunch of fake GMs out here in GM. 
And I, I want to try and explain this as politely as possible. I don't want to be mean or rude or insulting because I don't think that will help convince these, you know, these people. So I just want to explain to them how a matchmaking system works, right? Anytime you're getting a rank, you're simply getting your rank distribution amongst the entire player base. So Grandmaster is the top 1% of the player base, Master 3%, Diamond 10%, so on and so forth. Those were the last available statistics, and I don't see any reason why they would have changed. It is a percentage-based number. When you get told you're Grandmaster, it is simply the rank system indicating to you that you are the top 1% of the player base. Now, if only 100 people are playing, there's one Grandmaster. If that 100 now becomes 1,000 people, there's now 10 Grandmasters. You might look around and be like, yo, there's fucking nine more Grandmasters all of a sudden? Who are these boosted fucks? But it's simply an indication of the larger player base. We have way more people playing Overwatch 2, so of course we have more Grandmasters because we also have more people of every other rank. Now factor into this as well that it is a zero-sum game. Ranked is a zero-sum game. It means for someone to win, someone has to lose. So if there's 10 people playing, five people are going to win and climb to Grandmaster, five people are going to lose, go down to Master. Now, if there's 100 people playing, 50 people have gone up to Grandmaster, 50 people stayed in Master. Again, your qualitative, I think the biggest problem is people have been trying to add qualitative judgments of what a Grandmaster should look like. Oh, I don't think this guy should be Grandmaster because he doesn't look like what I think a Grandmaster should be. Your opinion of what a Grandmaster looks like is irrelevant. Grandmaster is simply an indication, again, of the player population distribution. You are top 1% or you're not. Of course, there's going to have to be more Grandmasters. And this is where the funny thing comes in as well, where people complain about queue times, but they don't want more people coming into their Grandmasters games. <laughs> it's like, and I also saw some people with like, there's too many Grandmasters now, we need another tier above it. It's like, those what? people are still good. Like, where, where does the matchmaking going to pull from? If you are the top 1%, they still it's have to It's top 500 though. Already, we already well, have that. Yeah, but people want another tier. They want like I don't know, like Grand Sensei, Grandmaster, Sensei Supermaster. <laughs> I don't know there what is, they want. There is a bit of a concern though for top 500. I think that that should be talked about. And it's like now that everyone's just GM one in top 500, how do you know the difference between GM one and top 500? How much further do you have to climb to go to top 500? Yeah, so, Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think I think the way I think they need to basically bring back numbers for the high end. Like I think. People need to be able to see because it because it also becomes meaningless when you're like number one, two, three. Because per season you don't you don't get that comparison point of like I hit four point seven k or I hit four point five k to be able to compare like your achievement. You know, just you just get a number and that's based on the relative numbers of that season. So I definitely think at the high I end there needs to be something thought like thought about that. But I just find I just wanted to explain to people the, the idea of like I think people need to let go of what like their opinion of a grandmaster is. Because, and I gave the example on Twitter as well, where, like, early Overwatch, people were so bad. They're, like, even at Grandmaster, like, if you look at early pro Overwatch, it's like, they used Grav and Blade and Slam, they're so fucking good, they're so fucking good, they killed all of them, they're so fucking... It's like, we'd look at that now and be like, that's some gold-ass alt usage, man, like, what was that all about? And so the idea of, like, what is a Grandmaster play will evolve over time. And it, will, it has evolved many times through the course of Overwatch history, and it will evolve some more. So... We need to stop having these like quality because there's a lot of gatekeeping. Basically, it all comes down to like a lot of gatekeeping where people are like, these guys don't deserve Grandmaster. No, if you weren't Grandmaster in Overwatch 1, you can't be Grandmaster in Overwatch 2. Well, firstly, where the fuck do the new Grandmasters come from then? Because we have more players than we ever had in Overwatch 1. So, where is the new Grandmaster going to come from? Secondly, like, you you have to let go of like this is what a grandmaster looks like because that, that shift is always going to be based on the player population. So, if we have more people, 
yes, you you might feel like the quality of the Grandmaster players are lower, but they are Grandmaster. You cannot deny that to them because the rank system has played everyone. They've beaten other people to prove that they are the top 1% of the player base. So like whether you agree with it or not, whether you look at their gameplay, and of course there's going to be fringe cases of boosted players, of people who exploited this, that, and the other, who got a lucky win streak to get to where they are. But en masse, they are simply demonstrating the statistics of the fact that they have reached a certain percentage of player base. So if you're someone who's been feeling, and I'm going to let Sam cook, so if you're someone who's been feeling invalidated by people being like, oh, these fake guys climbing, like, rah, 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 fuck them. They don't, they either, they're just like gatekeeping because I, I think a lot of people are, are resentful that their achievement has been diminished somehow. Like if I'm Grandmaster and that guy's Grandmaster, oh, it somehow loses value. Well, sucks to be you. Tough shit. Define yourself by something other than your SR. But also like you are, you are displaying the percentile that you placed in. Like that is inalienable. People can't take that away from you. So fuck them. Sam. So I, I think the terminology people were using is why they were wrong. So what, what, I want to make a couple of statements. I saw Yasna tweet this the other day, and I agree with him. Getting GM in this game and getting high GM is easier than it was at the end of Overwatch 1. Why? I'm not really sure. Um, but I, I, like, I don't find it incredibly challenging to get to like GM1, where beforehand, like, you know, towards the end of Overwatch 1, maybe it's because the skill sets that I have just weren't as valuable, I guess, or maybe people weren't playing as much regardless. Whatever. The idea, however, that just because it's easier to get into GM, that these people don't belong in GM, is just as stupid. Because here's the thing. If you look at, like, look at athletes, for example. One, like, w the term that I like to use is freshman GM. Because once you get to GM, there's a learning curve there. And every, it's one of my favorite sayings in life, is every expert started at the beginning. What's the saying? Is it it's every expert started at the bottom of the ladder? Is that, is that what, what the saying is? There, I'm, I'm sure it's probably different in different states in, in the United States. But regardless, the, the point is every expert starts at the beginning. So once you hit GM, you're there. Well, you 100% are GM. Like the people trying to say, oh, well, these people don't deserve GM. I, I think it's stupid. I mean, yes, the restraints, like the degree of difficulty to get there, in my opinion, is a little bit lighter. That doesn't mean that these people don't deserve to be there. Number two, it's its own learning curve, right? Like this, like they hit GM for the first time, and just like a freshman in college sports, you know, like I, I one of one of the most awesome things I ever got to see in my life was the 2014-2015 Kentucky basketball team, which was almost the first like perfect team in college basketball history. That team had Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, so many amazing talents, right? And they were all great. But if you look at them in the NBA now, like they had this, they were all like top one percent basketball players, right? But the skill sets they developed after developing time playing in those ranks allow them to continue to reach their potential and continue to get better and it's the same for these freshman gm players it's like they don't it's not that they don't deserve these ranks it's that hey once you get here it's hard it's not easy just because it's easier than when you had to do it debatably which i will say it absolutely is deba debatable right does not mean it was not difficult or a bad achievement on their part right they just need to go through the time and energy of learning how to play at that level to then consistently get better. And this is where the gatekeeping, in my opinion, is super dumb. That's not helping people reach their potential. That's not, you know, that, that's not an accurate read on what's actually happening. So I think that everyone kind of could improve on their terminology as to, like, what's actually happened. But I think the dumber side of it is definitely the gatekeeping of, oh, well, like, there was a tweet about Sunshine that I thought was really stupid. Mm -hmm. And I was like, like, I played with Sunshine in a bunch of her games when she was playing, and she played really well. So I saw that tweet, and I was like, bro, like, what, what is your point here? Like, like, if you're, if you're trying to say that someone got RAM boosted, like, Frito, like, Frito's like, you got a RAM that, like, clearly just, you know, like, there, there were a couple of them, right? 
that, you know, were just relying on the ult to win ult fights and didn't know the mid fight, whatever. Sure, you could argue that one. But I, I saw that one. I was just like, bro, like, what are you saying? Like, what? Like, that's such a serious. Did she play tweet. Tracer mostly? Like, I've tracer, seen her mostly playing so, Tracer. No, yeah. She played like three or four heroes in my game. And we, I, like, I have 100%, like, we didn't lose a game, right? And I, I guess that I just think that there's so much backwards reading on it because if you don't remember, I know SVB talked about this too. You know, the, the same kind of stuff was said in Overwatch One, season three to four, because different people learn at different rates. Like, not everyone gets to that rate right then, but we all go up that learning curve once we get there. And some people learn faster than others. That doesn't mean that because you learn faster that the other person doesn't deserve to be there. I think it's a really stupid argument. I, I think that they're they're arguing the wrong thing. And even if you were to argue that, what like there's no, I don't want to say benefit because I, I think that's the wrong word, but there's no point to be made there because different people learn at different rates. And that doesn't mean that they don't belong in GM, especially SVB, you're right. It's the top 1% of players. And if you guys didn't know this, the more, the more people that play the game, the 1% gets bigger. <laughs> Well, yeah, the number gets bigger. If it's 1% of 100 and now it's 1,000, that number gets bigger. Like, it's, it's just simple maths, and I think people have failed to grasp that. And I think that was that, normal, like, though. You, you know what's ironic about one. that? What, what was, Flats? It was, it was always normal. Like, I can't believe we've already forgotten about that. Like, remember, like, back in the day, 4K was, like, its own rank. 4.1 yeah. was, like, its own rank. 4.2 was its own rank. 4.3 and 4.2 kind of felt, like, somewhat similar. 4.4 was, like, another big milestone. Remember, yeah. like... If you played anything com like competitive, like any tier three, tier two, like that was like the hard line. A lot of top level tier three teams won't even look at you if you weren't 4.4 peak. Yeah. 4.5 is when you started to look into like, okay, like, you know, are they yeah. like contenders ish? 4.6 is like, oh, like this is like top contenders, like really good player. Yeah. 4.7 was owl level, right? Like yeah. consistent 4.7 plus was owl level player. It's always existed. Like, but to other people, like, 700 SR is not that big, right? Like, 700 SR is the difference between 4K flat GM and Diamond. But, but at the top level, that is, like, unironically the difference between, like, Silver and GM. It's The gap is, like, monstrously large. So, you know, like, people are mad about new GM players, but it's, like, I think that it will balance itself out, and you'll have, like, top-level, you know, rank one GM one players but you can also have GM5, GM4 players that deserve GM but aren't as good as them because the player base got bigger. Yes, some people came up, but you'll still be at the top. Like, there's not going to be a problem, but you, like, you, I, I I don't know. Like, I feel like because so Overwatch funny. 1 was well, like, so small, we got so crunched down. Like, the gatekeeping is insane. It's actually, like, legitimately insane. If you remember the old Overwatch, this was normal. Yeah, and I, even like, and I agree with you 100%. Even like, I I know you accidentally like deserve GM. I, I even want to move away from that kind of that language because it's like the, the deserve GM is like, again, it's like a qualitative judgment that someone sat there can make and say, this, like, it's not, some, it's not like a driving test where it's like, did you pass the three maneuvers? Yeah, you get GM. Oh, you got, no, you you didn't do the animation cancel. You're not GM. It's like, no, it's, it's simply telling you the distribution of the player base. Like, you can then make judgments off of that yourself, and we will. Um, inevitably, we do. Like, you spelled out there, Flats, like, the the kind of mental chart you developed about, like, at what SR is, like, what connotes to what. That will happen, especially when we were so stagnant in Overwatch 1. There wasn't new people coming in. But now we have new people coming in. What, what Grandmaster 5 means, what Grandmaster 4 means will evolve. But, like, 
to 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 frame it as somehow a, a, a sort of failure of the system or somehow a failure of the people who did it is like fundamentally <laughs> ignorant to how the system works. The system is working as intended. It's giving the people the rank because they beat other people. It's not like they were just miraculously teleported. Like, you know, suddenly Sunshine Bread was just like slid a DM to, to Gavin Winter. was like, yo, Gavin, hit me GM3, dog. And he's like, sure. And he just gives like she beat people to get there. So she deserves that rank. Now, you if you think you're better, you can climb above her. You can farm all the new GMs if you think you're so much better and climb to GM1 or rank 1, whatever you think is the one you want to get. And I do agree there needs to be some number because it's it all comes down to flexing and shitting on each other right it all comes down to like i want to yes. be able to say it's i was gm2 so that that guy you know like that guy is also you know i i was better than him because it's always the guys with the overwatch peaks in their twitter bios who who go on about this shit like the ah 4.4 peak top one percent like they just want to be able to flex it so i get it like it invalidates their masculinity but at the end of the day, the rank system is working as intended. It's telling you where you land in the distribution of players. You can then make whatever judgment you want on what that should mean for the quality of the player. But that will always be subjective. The rank will always be objective. That is the truth. End rant. It's just so funny because for, for top 1% of players in these GM, y'all sure can't do math or have a basic understanding of when the volume <laughs> increases, the percentage will also increase. I just, I don't know. I just thought it was like, I, I don't want to say it was funny because like there were some people getting shit on and I was like, this is stupid for that. They're getting shit on. But like, it's, it's like, a what's, you see what I'm trying to say? Like, it's funny that people would think that because it's just like, guys, like let's clock in a little bit here. You're well, they're just arguing the wrong thing. It is could mm -hmm. continue sorry yeah. yeah no no i agree and i, I don't want to dwell on it too much i just i just felt like it was because i think the reason i want to dwell on it yeah the reason i thought we should we should kind of talk on it is because i think this is happening for for all ranks as well it's not just gm like gm is where it's prominently being spoken about but i've seen a lot of people be like oh these overwatch two diamonds they're not like overwatch one diamonds and it's, like, <laughs> it's like dog like come on now like please just stop i've the seen them i think they're the same actually uh, yeah I, I didn't i didn't get to go yet can i go yeah, a couple, go ahead. couple add, added points. So an interesting thing to add to this is that they told us in that blog post that they mistakenly put new Overwatch 2 players in gold as a base placement, and that was far too high. They were actually bronze five. So anyone who makes a new account that's never played Overwatch 1, they think, the, 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 what they're saying is, new players match make best if they're placed at the literal bottom. So while on one hand, the percentage argument matters over time, all the new players have a fundamentally like zero understanding of the game. That's essentially what that means to me. Because, I, and I was shocked by that, because I feel like if you were an Apex player or something, maybe you just, you come in and pick Soldier or whatever, and you're at least like gold or plat. But apparently, no, most, most players, because of probably the... Uh, let's say the uh, <laughs> Dr. Disrespect uh, problem, if you ever watch any of his streams playing <laughs> yeah. the game, of just, like, not regrouping, ever, let's say. If you don't regroup ever, like, you're not winning at any rank, pretty much. Like, if, like, if you think you can kill one of the Giga tanks in the game by yourself, like, you're just going to lose every single game and be in bronze. Um, so it's it's interesting how that works. So on one hand, the the, the player base is worse than Overwatch 1. That That is actually true because of the percentages of this we had a much more hardcore community um by the percentages so more players by the end of overwatch one especially I, I do think it was harder to get into gm um at the end of overwatch one because of uh the understanding of the game was like based on percentages higher but we as players or analysts or whatever 
don't really get to dictate our own opinions on what should happen. Like I have expectations that I wish would happen. So, and my, but there are just biases of my own where I wish the player base understood the fundamentals of the game of like, this counters that. No, Zen is a good pick on this map. Uh, Flats, example from Overwatch 1. High ground on Hollywood, great. Like, you know, you know these. The, it's a typical Masters Flat. thing. We've been, we've been de- dealing with this forever. But like, I, I feel right now Masters players are so much more worse than I, so much worse than I realized because in, in the previous season, it was so deathmatchy with the Sojourn Hog meta. Um, and now we're playing Overwatch again, it feels like, and the fundamentals just like aren't there. And maybe that's also making things feel more viable than they actually are as well. Like as a point I wanted to make earlier, like I, I think there there might be a harder meta on this patch than we realize, but it's just going to take time and probably high level gameplay to find it. But in any case, um, uh, yeah, uh, if you're Sam, I think <laughs> for sure. Uh, no, but maybe, yeah. Um, what, what, there was, what, what point I was trying to make? Oh, um, the whole like deserving thing, yeah. Like like other people would say that it, you deserve it based on your mechanics, right? And they might even go the other way. Where um, I've been GM in top five hundred a number of times. I, I'm not good enough to get it there always, but it's always on like a meta I understand with a hero pool that suits me. Typically, like if Lucio is a top pick, then I understand the teamwork of that. And I might argue, well, you should understand teamwork fundamentals of the game and alt economy and and who to enable if you want to be a top level player, but. There's metas and heroes, for that matter, that break those rules, and you can pop off mechanically as long as that hero is is somewhat viable. So, um, anyway, lo- kind of a long way to to agree, but just trying to sprinkle in a few extra points on that. Like the uh, the reality is, you're all bad, actually. Like we we've seen, 100. like owl level coaches be like, grandmasters are bad too. Like it, the game's True. too hard for anyone yeah. to be good. Like even 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 we're talking about like the god elite, like 4700. You'll see them in owl still make dumb mistakes that they got to get coached up on, right? Like like the, the definition of what is good in this game is kind of ridiculous because the game's too hard for for, for you to actually ever like get there as, as a player and it's changing too so what you do that's good is is going to need to be different from season to season so you, you never finish this game it's by design so anyway no i think it's a great point because and that's kind of what the, the the bottom line of what i was trying to get at as well is that that that, that like subjective judgment will always change of what we think is like good bad or awful so there's like trying to gatekeep it and be like this is what it should have been like it's just it fundamentally is dumb but it also misunderstands how the system works. So any thoughts, Flats, Agreed. if you have anything else to say on, on this whole issue? No, Sam? I think we nailed it. Good, good. Sam? I'm good. I got the hiccups. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, take, you take a second. Because I want to I talk about something else. Now, something actually not directly or watch related. Uh, but something I think is very important, which is that uh, for those of you who don't know, and I don't think there's been a lot of content creator noise about this yet, but I think it's something we should be like quite looking our ears on and eyes on, is that Activision have basically announced a new policy, uh, all but ending working from home for their employees. Essentially, the way it's done is like employees from July, I believe, for Blizzard. I think it's different for different parts of Activision, but from July, employees will have to turn up into the office three days a week. Essentially, meaning that for the swathe of, of uh, new Activision developers who were hired during COVID, who might not even be in the vicinity, like you know, not even be in the state, let alone near enough to travel to the office, are either going to have to give up their job or they're going to have to move and relocate to Irvine, California, which is a very expensive place to live. Let me tell you, it is a very, very, like, you know, 
richest richest parts of America level of you know difficult to live in. So I've seen a lot of devs talk about this and their vast disappointment in the Activision hierarchy that they've decided to implement this decision. But I'm curious about you know Sam and Flats. I'm going to take it to Flats first. I haven't heard too much from you for a while, Flats. This this feels to me like a really like we might not realize it, but it feels like it's a really bad moment because if we lose like waves of devs for a really stupid, needless decision, it's going to be really bad for us. Big problems, and this is actually like a very big indicator of some of the past problems we've had, where it's not actually Overwatch devs that make some of these decisions that fundamentally fuck the game. It's actually top level. Um, there was many that came out during, um, you know, Overwatch 1, you know, we heard about things where Bobby Kotick came in and said, hey, I want this, and they'd work on it for almost a year, and then it would be done, and you go, nah, I don't like it anymore, fuck that. They'd lose a year worth of dev time to some dumbass decision, and it's like, this is actually so, so fucking bad that most people aren't going to realize. Like, the average player does no clue because what's going to happen is that blizzard and overwatch has a very very good new dedicated team i've got when we went all the way out to uh to la we got to meet a lot of the devs in person they are very very smart passionate individuals i was genuinely impressed in every conversation i had whether i agreed or disagreed with their takes on things and you know what the best part of it was? Even if we disagreed, we were able to like kind of like talk about like fundamentally, you know, stuff that you I'd never been able to talk to about like people before. You know, like maybe like other streamers, other people have been in this game for years, but like they they've either they're either fans of the game, like people that grew yes. up playing Overwatch that then became devs for the game, or people that have been around for so many many years. And there are countless amount of them that work from home. I I just speaking from experience, knowing like, you know, where some are from, most of them don't live there. Most of them live in other parts of the country, other parts of the world. Um, I remember that I was told there was like someone new that had been brought in that they lived in like Denmark and they were waking up at like 3 a.m. to have meetings with their team. So they could like get on the same page because they're on the other side of the planet. But like this is a very smart, good individual that had come in, very talented. And you have a you're going to lose these people because the in, games industry is very competitive and i already saw when i saw some of the tweets i already saw like some some riot devs being like hey if you need a place let me know they are going to do it what's in their best interest because that's what they should do if you sit there and go no they should do what's in overwatch you dude like that's so dumb like they should do what's in their both best interests if the company doesn't respect them they should be doing what's best for them and if they can go somewhere else and make more money or the same amount of money and still work from home and not get fucked that's what they are going to and should do but on the opposite end this is a blatant perfect example of top level corporate greed that wants to pull them back in they want to justify the expense of what the blizzard activision blizzard campus is they probably spend a fuck ton of money having that every year because well, california's not not cheap and it's you know it's a big campus you know you got the big the big classic blizzard statue out front if the office is empty all day you're kind of just pissing money away right like 
they want to be able to justify these costs. So, oh, if we make everybody come in, you know, there's a reason for us to be paying all this money. What real reality is going to happen, it's going to kick hard, is they're going to start looking for other jobs. They're going to look other places. And it's taken us months or even years to get to the point where, where we are in season three. We all sit here right now and are like, the game feels pretty good. There's some small problems. Like, we're talking about Discord Orb today. Think about that. We're yeah. not talking about, like, content. We're not talking about uh, being left in the dark. They've been doing great communication recently. Aaron put out, like, a one, like, last week put out a dev blog. It was like, yeah, I don't really have any big updates because I gave you one a week ago. Uh, but we're working on, we're looking at these things, and uh, that's all I got for you. They didn't really have anything to say. But they still gave an update anyways because they're committing to having more communication. These are things that have probably in the works because they're a crawl, walk, run company have been in the works for literally months or years. And if this fundamental shift happens in the inside because major developers leave and they have to rehire new people, which, by the way, remember back in Overwatch 1, we had lots of big you know conspiracies looking at like LinkedIn job postings and we're like, is PV even close to done? Like they're hiring all these positions. You know, when is Overwatch 2 coming? There's like a, a ton of positions that are open. You know, like if they have to go back to that and start over again, we're fucked. We're actually fundamentally fucked. So I hope to God they realize how bad of a decision this is and we don't end up losing what has been in the works for these past months slash years to build Overwatch back up to where it is now because we're still on the upwards trend. We had the big jump at the start and then it came down hard, but it's still on the upwards trend. Like people are still coming into play. This season's a down season, to be fair. No new like big content. Who cares about a map to be real talk? Like people don't care about it. New hero next season. Who knows? PVE like sometime this year. Like we are still on the upwards trend and that could get axed if this actually is like goes through and fucks uh the overwatch team i guess all the blizzard teams but the overwatch team especially as bad as i think it will um big spooky big spooky honestly not only for them but for i think for and everyone i 100 percent agree like i'm just going to quickly just echo everything you've said there and i think i, I want to just emphasize that it is clearly a dem like a, a decision based off of just I don't even know if greed is right the right word, but it, greed, but incompetence and like misunderstanding of what's going on because this has happened in a time when what's greed? They they've shipped multiple titles all working from home, basically with their devs largely working from home, and they've they've recorded massive profits. Like I believe it was like Overwatch itself, Overwatch Two made like a hundred million in the three year three months at the end of Overwatch uh, of twenty twenty two. So that's a hundred million dollars that they made with a large part of the dev team working from home. And I know, I've, again, I've seen the dev sentiment on this. They're just like, because it's, it's, it's about taking away the choice. Some people are like, well, what's the worst thing? They have to go into the office. Dude, they work on a fucking computer. They don't have to be there sitting next to each other to be able to do their job. They've demonstrated they're doing their job quite competently from wherever they are. And it ignores the situations of the people who can't afford. Because a lot of people, for example, I know they took swipes at uh, QA as well uh, in, in like their communication they don't get paid enough to live in Irvine, California. Some people have families. They have like entire communities that they've based around, you know, maybe relatives that they have to take care of. So many millions of factors that you could have for wanting to stay where you are and not uproot your life to go work at Activision Blizzard, mm -hmm. especially 
when your major competitors are all allowing you to work from home. And again, you saw the Riot devs flats. I saw the Destiny devs saying, you know, Destiny has great work from home, like uh, capabilities here. Come, come work with us. And it's just, it just, I saw the devs. They were just like, this feels cruel and it feels out of touch because we have been doing hard work. Like, again, it's like, it's like the most frustrating thing. You know, we talked about it in a, in a different context about rank. It's like you, you play everything perfect. You, you, your team can't follow up. GG go next. It's like some version of that with the devs where they're like, we made a great game. Everyone's happy with Overwatch 2. It's making millions, hundreds of millions of, of dollars. And then you turn around, you're like, yeah, you're not, you guys are like, cause what's the bottom line? You guys aren't working efficiently enough. So you need to come yep. into the office and it's like a power thing as well. It's like, we want to, want to keep an eye on you. Now we want, we want you in the offices so we can kind of check on you guys and make sure you're doing the right things. What fucking good did that do? Cause when everyone was in the fucking office, they were sexually harassing everyone with all kinds of bullshit yeah. from the hierarchy. So it's like the idea that this is somehow better for the devs is fucking nonsense. It's just, it's just some sort of Activision sort of, uh, I don't know, backwards ideology that this is how it must be done. And I, I, the reason I'm making so much noise about it is because I hope that if all the communities of these games make enough noise, they might reconsider. Because this isn't, this isn't some ironclad rule I think that they'd never go back on. This is like some management thinks this will be better for the games if they do this. So I do hope they reconsider and I do hope the community tells them to shut the fuck up and get a fucking clue on how to do this. Because this is not going to help anyone. Can I, uh, can I read you something? Yeah, go ahead. So I was actually going to do a, a piece on this, um, and something I pulled was um, the earnings report. There's two segments of this, but uh, Blizzard's segment revenue and operating income grew uh, approximately 90% year over year in the fourth quarter as our teams executed against a substantial pipeline to deliver well-received content across key intellectual properties. Warcraft, Overwatch, and Diablo grew strongly year over year, and each delivered over 100 million in net bookings. I'm going to skip to Overwatch. The October launch of Overwatch 2 with a free-to-play model delivered the highest quality, sorry, the highest quarterly figures for player numbers and hours played in Overwatch's history. Player engagement is also off to a strong start with fourth quarter in-game net bookings at the highest level to date for Overwatch. The team is working on an ambitious slate for regular seasonal updates, including PvE content to engage and expand the community as well as other ways for new and existing players to experience the Overwatch's universe long term. So basically, their thing said, hey, Overwatch is the best it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And you're going to throw that away. That's fucking genius. A lot of people buying those Witch Carry skins, seems like. Mm -hmm. they, I mean, we've just got started like we've we've only just launched like the early access the pve hasn't even turned up like i feel like we're, we're actually really going in a good direction where season three i feel like we're seeing a lot more people play the game like i think that's one of the reasons why like also the the sr inflation queue times is because i think more people are engaged with the competitive mode now remember all those new players they had to go through first time user experience and they're they're not going to jump straight into comp they're going to get used to it they're actually playing, they're engaging, they're getting, you know, radicalized to be hardcore watch players. They're the ones who, you know, they're going to start buying these skins and they clearly have started buying these skins. I'm sure Cupid Hanzo is raking in the fucking money because that's like the best skin they ever made. And <laughs> we haven't even dropped the PvE. And like now to make this decision this time, it really, like I might be doomery, but I really think this is like a really, really bad decision that so many of the devs are clearly upset about. Sam, we haven't heard from you on this topic. Hot take. But it's not going to be what people expect. 
So this has been a big wave in corporate America coming off of COVID for a while. And Activision is actually kind of late to this party. You saw a lot of other companies do it already. Fifth Third, where my roommate is a software engineer, as it has done it. Um, that's actually why I'm in Cincinnati. Um, a lot of other, like uh, Tesla, like a bunch of other companies have done it as well. So I don't think it's an unreasonable expectation of a company to expect workers to be in the office three out of five days a week. However, I do think it's a little out of touch from Activision given their circumstances and especially the cost of living as to where they live. Because if you're giving your workers a good deal as to where they're actually the cost of living, the workspace being safe for one of the biggest ones, I... I don't really trust Activision right now to be to have the legs to stand on to kind of pull this. Um, like, and here's my hottest take: I think the company needs to relocate. I, I, I think that they need something fresh. I think that, especially there, there were some studies. I'm not sure if somebody could look this up for me or not that show that work in the office was more productive. I don't know what it is, but no, work from the home reality is. More I'm not sure what it was. I'll have to look up the study. Re regardless, I, I think times are changing and COVID, you know, really spiced things up for the software space. And really, like, even now, the company, not the company, the industry is in a very weird flux. Though, I, I wouldn't say that I trust that this is a good decision for right now for Activision to be making, especially with the company still being on sale. Like, if Microsoft acquires them and that goes through, are they going to have to relocate to Seattle next? Right? I think there's way too many moving parts to make this decision right here and right now. And I don't think it's in the best interest of the company to do so, especially with how many variables are going on right now and how, at least in the Overwatch scene, how the developers have been able to perform at a high level with all those variables going on right now with the uncertainty of the company. Because the reality, the company's still up for sale, right? The UK has moved to now blocked acquisition. And so, like, we, like, would they have to move back to Seattle? Would they, like, the reality is, there's a good chance that your employees might have to move twice or like who, like we don't know. We have no idea. So I, I don't think this was a good idea to do right here and right now. However, I will say like in a general standpoint, I, I don't want to pin this on Activision corporate greed because this has been a big movement in corporate America already of the last, like go, it started out with Goldman Sachs, I think in New York. I, I can't really attest to it. I, I don't have the information. I mean, there's, yeah. there's companies that have done this on purpose because they wanted to lay off parts of their workforce. So by forcing people to make the decision to have to work mm -hmm. in the corporate office when they've worked from home the entire time, I think it was either Twitter or what I think one of Elon's companies, it might be Tesla. Their whole thing was, okay, you no longer can work from home. You have to be in the office. In that way, a bunch of people left and they don't have to pay severance and they don't have to make them come into, they will just quit. They will leave. That way they can lay a bunch of people off without having the backfire of laying people off. It is corporate greed. Do you think they don't want to pay for that giant campus and Irvine, California, and nobody I, uses I it. There's no way. Extent. I agree to an extent, but I also don't think it's an unreasonable expectation for you to have to show up to the office sometimes. But that being said, also, you shouldn't have hired those people remote and said, oh, yeah, you're fine just to fuck them over later. Like, I think there's a, like, it's a big gray area for me, and I honestly can't accurately answer it. I don't have the information. It really depends situation to situation. I would say an Activision situation, I think it's a stupid thing to do because you have to earn your employee trust back. You're actually firing at all cylinders on your IPs, right? Which is very, very good. 
and there's just too many moving parts to put that burden on your staff when you've already let them down. Let's be real. Like, I think the leadership at Activision have let their staff down, and you should be throwing them bones right now, especially when they execute well and not try to force them to move to one of the highest cost of living places in the world when maybe your company might not even be there. Like, they, they might get sold. They might be like, oh, yeah, we're going to Seattle now. And it's like, what? what? You just made us move here. So I think in Activision's case, it's bad, but... It, <sighs> It's, it's a very big conversation to be had, and it's so such a big gray area that I don't even want to really get into too much of it because I don't have the information, and I don't – like I just – I don't know. I will say in Activision's case, though, I think generally it's probably a little rushed and just not a good idea right here, right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't I, – because I disagree with that. I, I, I don't really see what the justifiable benefit is, but I don't think we – I don't think it's going to serve much for us to go back and forth on it when – Well, I have a take. I have a yeah, take that answers that. that. Um, well, I'm willing to, I'll preface in saying, I'm willing to defer the opinions and experience of the devs and let them speak to themselves. But the, what I would anticipate is this type of decision isn't based on the current standing, but the failure of Warzone 2 to start, and also the delays of Overwatch 2, where a lot of that, when they transitioned into work from home, like, they're like, Jeff's coming in on a dev update, like, hey guys, uh, I've, so I've just been sunbathing the past two years, it's kind of chilling, the game's delayed, we're not adding new content. Like, so I, I think that's like a, maybe a take delay almost, and sometimes that does happen in corporate America, where the, they, they're solving the previous thing, um, as opposed to the current standing and, and having a, um, more of a timely response, it's like delayed, essentially, so I think to avoid those things happening again, they might want the devs to be in close proximity so that problems such as um, one thing that I, I find in the uh, development sometimes is the teams feel a bit incongruitous. I can't say that word. I know the word and I can't pronounce it. That's the white trash coming out of me. But uh, incongruous. Yeah, there you go. That one um, where the decisions that like will affect the other category aren't taken like one hand doesn't know the other hand's doing to put it in a colloquialism um and being in close proximity i think helps with that um so that's that's the benefit is that you are working more next to someone and you get a better understanding of what paul's doing over there because you're physically speaking to him in person so there, there's some creative benefits i think but i'm not willing to say that that's like worth it or going to even happen like ideally i think each team lead should um do that for themselves because like let's say if you're w remastering an old blizzard game maybe that can entirely be done from home whereas if you're inventing an entirely new set of mechanics for a game maybe that's a little more creatively demanding and, and you kind of need more of the uh team to understand what's going on and i think that was the case with like let's reinvent warzone in a way only sam knows about this so i'm more so quoting him um i don't know anything about warzone but i do know from overwatch it often feels like they they are um, one hand doesn't know what the other hand's doing sometimes. Um, it has felt in the past. So, it, yeah, I, I trust in our devs, kind of like what Flat said, um, maybe almost to a fault. <laughs> uh, but I think as they, like, once they got everything working, like the hotfix system working, now we, we see in Season 3 what can happen when they're, like, at full capacity, you know? And because we, we've had many podcasts where we were quite upset, and now all of a sudden we're happy because they, I feel like they've got their momentum, they're not all on break, you know, that's kind of the difference. Like they, they had uh, the system, the hotfix system wasn't working and they had to go on holiday break, which 
we as a consumer um, should be supportive of them to have time off, but that that means the product sometimes suffers or at least for a duration, right? And I, I think similar things can happen if you uh, work from home inefficiently. Like inefficient work from home happens, but also work in office inefficiently happened for many, many years. Like personally, I could never survive at a real job because it's so incredibly inefficient. There's a lot of hang around the water cooler, wasting time. Uh, I, I can't stand uh, real real work because you actually don't work a lot of the time. And I think that can easily happen when you're like hanging out at uh, some of these uh, locations. So I, I don't know. I, I want the game to uh, be productive and synchronicitous with, with its development. And so I don't know what I, I'm just, I guess I'm, I'm open-minded to see what the results mm -hmm. of this are. Um, but, you know, maybe it is the disaster you guys are saying. Yeah, well, that's I why I, perspective. Go ahead, Flats. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of shit there. Like you said, that's just wasted time. You're going to waste an hour commuting to and commuting home. You, I've worked in an office. I, I used to, I, I, I was that life. So I can tell you, like, you're not sitting there doing work eight hours a day. You're due like four, you know, like you go take an hour lunch and, you know, someone wants to go chat for a bit. Like work from home was like i know sam was talking he doesn't know like if this like what the studies on it like from what i've read was more productive in most fields than working in an office because you had more time and i can't even tell you the amount of times i see the overwatch team actually doing shit like at like midnight i i've, I've dm'd andy at like two in the morning my time i'm like hey is this thing like tomorrow am i just stupid did i forget and he responds to me like he's off the clock like they do they go so above and beyond in so many ways and I think work from home helps with that, um, where they, they end up putting in more hours because they're at home. They get to do more shit like you can have you can get groceries delivered to your house and, and you're still home. You can go take the dog for a walk. You don't have to worry about like, OK, my dog needs to get walked. OK, on lunch, I'm going to drive home, walk the dog and then drive back. And it's like you basically lose your lunch period when you could just go walk the dog like and be fine. Like go take 10 minutes. Like most of the time you have 10 minutes. People aren't hawking over you the entire time. And I, I, I think there's this um this like fantasy in america with like overworking yourself to death and also like oh you have to you work 40 hours a week you have to be working the entire time the time it's fucking spent fucking off anyways like it's really not actually real like you're kind of bullshitting at that point and on top of that the u.s jobs market is still extremely hot it's extremely hot I think that any of the very talented devs at blizzard if they got they wanted to keep working from home could go almost anywhere because blizzard's a big name to have on your resume and they, a lot of companies will take you and i that that's gonna that's we're gonna lose at this like the the corporate investors are gonna win because they're spending less money on 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 uh on on workers so one of the biggest costs to any company is the cost of salaries like you know, that's how Dollar Tree and Dollar General and all the dollar stores get around it. They have one employee for the whole store. That's why they can sell things for a dollar. But otherwise, like, salaries is the biggest loser for companies. So if they cut back on how many devs they have, things are going to be slower for us. Even if they rehire new people to take their spots, they have to retrain them. Or even if they're a leadership position, they have to earn the trust of their team and align their view with everybody else. Like, like coming in as a new like a new leader of a team and having to get everybody that's already on that team now aligned with your vision takes weeks, months. Like we like this is it's actually so much worse. Uh 
so I don't know. I, I, I've actually, I actually read about a lot of this stuff in my own free time. Um, that's why maybe I'm a little bit more passionate, I guess, about it. But uh, this is genuinely corporate greed. And having the ability to uh, oversee your employees and literally keep an eye on them at all times. And you said, like, you know, the communication, like, it could be better because there's a guy next to you. But that's almost kind of a fantasy. Like, that's always that they don't they're gonna have just as much of a talk meeting through zoom as if they meet in the same room like you still have to meet with that other team like it's not like a you go walk over to i don't know war zone and go have a conversation like that just doesn't you know it doesn't really like happen like that so uh i i i think it's i think it's big spooky i think this is pro is there's actually no benefit to this other than to shareholders um because then they're going to use that blizzard campus it's not going to be sitting there wasting away and they're going to spend less money on salaries. Uh, big L. I, yeah, and I just want to, not to keep going on this issue for a while, but I do think it's an important one. And I, I just want to chime in as well that it's the it's the taking away the choice. I think that's the that's the really bad part, right? Because it's like, because there might be devs who are like, and might be people, there's going to be people, no doubt, in the YouTube comments who are like, I prefer working in the office. I, I'm more productive. You you can have that choice. If, if that's what you believe, you, you could go into the office and work there and be more productive. But another person might be like, I prefer working from home. You know, like some of the devs have like, like flat said, like some of them have children. Maybe they want to spend time. Mm -hmm. It's one thing if you're single, you're 25, you're like, I'm down to like live in, in Irvine, California, live the happy life, work in, work in the office. All great. You might be, someone else might be like, you know, I have two kids. John's, John's kids come on the call all the time. And I think, you know, not to speak for him, John Spector, but like, you know, seems to be great. I, I would value myself having the ability to spend time with my young children. Why not? And I think that like, this is, it's also funny that you point out flats, which is the kind of American culture of it. Cause as, as someone who's European, it's like a lot of, there's a lot of different cultures in like Europe, like depending on where you go, of like these kind of things. So for example, my brother, he works for a French bank. And he was just in he was just in Paris uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me he was like, you know, like the culture there is really different because they demand like their one and a half hour lunch like every every single day. They're like one and a you, half hour. Yeah, one and a half hour. And it's like if you try to schedule a meeting in that time, they're just like fuck off. And it's like that's that's the expectation that the person should be like that. That is the bare minimum that the person gets because that's like the work culture. And of course, in many parts of Europe as well, it's like the siesta culture right like in the middle of the day yep. we're not supposed to work we're not it's not the time for humans to work we need a break we need to relax so fuck you if you're going to try and put in a meeting here i'm not turning up and you're the person who'd be at fault for making that meeting at that time because that's my that's mm -hmm. my lunch break so like i do think this like a, this is a uh, not uniquely but it's certainly a prominently american culture to like overwork like more work equal more better when that's demonstrably not always the case, like it's it's really variable, and you really it's, have it's to like, it's a great you area. really have to uh, go by person to person. You know what you're making, what you're trying to do. Bottom line, I think taking the choice away from the devs is a horrible decision. I think we will definitely suffer in the short term, certainly, uh, for losing good and passionate devs, as Flat said, who are just love a game, want to work on their game, and now they can't because they have to choose like their life situation versus their job when they previously didn't have to um anyways any any other thoughts on that before we move on because that was quite a yeah, la last point i'd say i think the older devs might have been hit harder by the work from home thing and my it's my speculation that it was the delay of overwatch 2 and which was so important for the company as well as the the failure of warzone 2 possibly because i i think they've spoke a lot about the work from home um 
thing. And, and Blizzard tends to like try to sweep this under the rug and make make it seem like it was all rosy. But I think obviously work from home is the future. Like it's you know if every other oh, company is yeah. doing it, and and so like I see it that way. But I I was just trying to make sense of because I think sometimes it's a little too easy to just say everything is pure greed because they do have the uh, campus, so they probably should try to use it. Like if there's some benefit to be gained there, it's like a smart decision if they were right. So I, 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 I don't know. I'm just trying to see like the efficiency gain and maybe it being uh, a positive to some respect. And I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if they change it. I hope that the devs are able to get a comfortable scenario and all the uh, horror that you guys are describing doesn't end up happening. Um, that's how I'll close it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I just think it was important for us to bring up because I don't, I haven't seen a lot of content creator noise on it. And I do think, you know, we, we often advocate for the community against the devs. Like we kind of rail and we're like, this is what the community is feeling. Why aren't the devs feeling? I think sometimes we need to do it back and we need to be like, by the way, community, like this is happening to the devs and it fucking sucks for at least a large, again, large numbers of devs have all spoken out about like how bad the sentiment of the team feels around this and how they feel completely like, unheard by activision like they feel like like they as a loss in faith moment in the hierarchy mm. so i think it's important to like convey that that everyone one of many it's so hard too it's so hard because like it's you're not even trying to just convince activision at that point like it's like a whole trend in corporate america right so it's like a very big picture thing that it's like okay okay for, like first of all can you even convince activision and two it's like how do you change like a trend across this could, could like like be in control of like you know billions and billions of dollars across many different fields. So this is a huge discussion to have, and hopefully technology continues to get better and allows more options for people. That's all you can really hope for. For sure. Okay. Uh, right. Well, let's uh, quickly a couple more things we've been going on for a while, but uh, there's a couple more things I want to talk about. Firstly, Lover Watch, which is one of our uh, new sort of significant things dropped into season three now. I don't know if all of you played it. I played it, uh, and it was quite fun. A bit more uwu than I expected it to be, but it was uh, it was fun, and it was it was nice to see. You know, I remember when uh, I had uh, John and Jared on the podcast before season three started. They were like, "We're going to get wacky," and I'm guessing this is what they're referring to. They're like, "We're going to get really weird and experimental. We're going to throw stuff out, and we're going to see how the community feels about it." So it seems Lover Watch has been the kind of culmination of it. And the One Punch Man collaboration, which again came out of left field, but I'm absolutely here for it, is really great. So, flats like these are these are some of the things that we've got now. Is like when we don't have a new hero, it seems like the devs are willing to kind of really expand the scope of what we we've never seen anything like either of them in Overwatch before. So, like, how did you feel firstly about Loverwatch, the One Punch Man collaboration, and how do you feel about kind of what that indicates for the future of Overwatch? Fucking hilarious. More, just do that shit. Like that's. That was a great example of like they just leaned into like their creative processes and leaned into the community memes and leaned into like leaned into the community and didn't pretend to uh, be corporate America and be like, ah, oh, that we are thou holier than thou. Ah, like like they were just like us, like they were just, you know, they were this. You could tell who made that was was just like us. They love the same stuff. There was the Zen lore piece. Um you know, obviously, like the the Genji, I need healings in there. It was full of memes. It was full of fun. Even even like the like the way the graphics looked like were really cool. Like it was like, you know, obviously it couldn't like they're not going all out and doing a bunch of three D models, but like even something like that, you could tell is like very personally made. 
um, stuff. And it, it felt like it had heart. It had soul, which is which is great. I had a good time. Um, it was only like an hour to play through all all of them and then do the, the secret ending, which, by the way, the secret ending uh, saves you five or six bucks if you decide to buy the Hanzo bundle. That's a fun fact. Um, because the button, the bundles, like, I think like 28 bucks or something like that. Um, but it gives you, you get the Hanzo, uh, intro for completing the secret ending. So it knocks it down to like 21, 22. So that was, Wait, hold on, nice. hold on. I haven't checked the shop. Sorry to interrupt. Yep. There hasn't been public outcry over the cost of that bundle. That seems like a lot. Well, like, I mean, the Kiri thing was $40, but is, is this one just too charming and feels worth that price? Cause I haven't heard anybody complain that it's $30. I had no idea. Dude, it's like custom right VFX, now. though. It's like custom VFX. Come on. Like, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm with you. I don't know. I mean, it's just like, I. Do you, so do we think all of the community is down with that price point? Because that, that's like a win, 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 right? Like, if, well, if everyone's fine, it exists. No one feels well, this as exploitative. You know, like, like this it, is the like, level it should be, right? For cosmetics, where it's yeah. like transformative, super over the top, and, and fits well. Sorry to like steer the conversation. No, but no, that, it's a good point. It's a good back. point. I, I haven't seen any outcry either, and I, I do think it's partly because like it's a hilarious skin, and it and again the VFX are so awesome that you can like. There's nobody. I don't think any reasonable person could be like, man, that's not that's not worth that much dev time. Like that's clearly been a lot of like work put in. So anyway, it's flats. Carry on. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a good point. And, and maybe hey, by playing the game, you get a discount. Maybe maybe that maybe that plays into it. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was. It was kind of cool, uh, and also I will say that they made some improvements of the event, um, and you don't have to just grind the Hanzo game mode. There's like one or two, maybe three things for the Hanzo game mode, but then the rest is just playing Overwatch, which is great because I hated the Hanzo game mode. I went like 0-7, like seven straight games, and then I finally got my one win. I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm out. I'm gone. Uh, so that was a massive improvement, but that's stuff they've been listening to and, and, get, and getting feedback from the community on. Um, so overall, like I think it's tragic that it wasn't even – a bigger event like more people weren't like super into it um and i think part of that's lost on the console community uh because you need a web browser to play it uh so like it's not like you could play it in game if you're a console handy and if you're not someone who has a computer um or go on your computer very often you probably don't you guys have phones play it well, you couldn't play it on your phone it was a browser only uh game you got browsers on smartphones flats am i, I don't think it, i don't think it worked on phone though i believe was, it, was, oh. was that was that a was that a blizzcon Yes, I was trying. I was attempting, <laughs> swinging a miss, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it didn't work on phone though. Um, I saw someone saying that they tried it and it didn't work. But overall, though, massive W. Um, I hope to see more stuff like that. I hope they keep leading into stuff like that. Um, I think I think it was great. I hope to see more skins like the Hanzo skin, where it's like the VFX. Uh, I'm excited to see the One Punch Man stuff because I think they did a great job. I think there was. As much as I don't like it, I disagree with it. I understand there was concern around, like, you know, if things were too over-the-top Fortnite-y, it's like, you know, do the characters lose? Like, you know, are you looking at Doomfist? Is that Doomfist? I can't really tell. Like, you can still very easily tell it's Doomfist. They're cosplaying as the collaboration. I think they nailed it with that, and oh, I'm yeah. excited to see the rest of them. Uh, the Moomin Rider Soldier that 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 they, they put on Twitter, <laughs> that shit's fucking That's hilarious. Killer. That was great. So I want to see the rest of them. I think it's going to be awesome. Sam? I'm not even going to talk about Leverwatch. I didn't play it. I'm not going to play it. Not my cup of tea. All good. 
because uh, because that's all subjective, right? Like I'm not like of I'm course, a very objective course. guy, and I'm not gonna I'm not the kind of guy who sits there. It's like, oh, you played lover with that. That's that's what I find to be really cringe. It's like, dude, let people enjoy what they want to enjoy. It's not my cup of tea. That's totally fine. I'm not playing an Overwatch. I'm not playing a dating sim. I'm definitely not playing an Overwatch dating sim. But that's just me, man. If people like it, you do you. Totally cool. One freaking punch, man, Doomfist. Round of a freaking applause. So I've had a, a Doomfist like One Punch Man emote for four years. Love it. One Punch Man season one was like my favorite 13 episode stretch of a show that I'd ever seen until Bleach Thousand Year Blood War came out this year, which was phenomenal. And if you haven't seen it, you absolutely should. Freaking fantastic. Amazing, right? But they captured a perfect balance of Doomfist and Saitama is just one of my favorite characters. He's one of the most mean characters ever. Moomin Rider is fantastic. And this is really the kind of stuff that you want to see from the dev team and, like, the kind of stuff you expect from the art team where it's just, like, I think the, that, like, hot take and Fortnite kids, you can get as triggered as you want. I'll crank 90s on you kids all day on the basketball court anywhere. You can just sit down. That is so much better. That, that might be the best, like, game crossover I've ever seen. Because, like, in Fortnite, it's, like, how do I explain it? It's They just kind of took the characters from the shows and just threw them in Fortnite. And they did a good job of, like, adapting their game mechanics, like, having them run and stuff. But, like, Fortnite characters, hot take, they don't have, like, as much... Okay, it's not even a hot take. They don't have as much of an identity as the Overwatch characters have. I don't think any character in any game, aside from maybe, like, Mortal Kombat or, like, Injustice, like, have identities to the degree that the Overwatch characters have. And the way they were able to capture Saitama and, and Doomfist's identity in, like, one collaboration is the best one I've ever seen. And I'm just so happy about that because those are two of my favorite things that... I think they just nailed. So they should be really, really happy with that. And talk about starting out with a bang on the collaboration. Because I remember um, the people were asking all the time, like, hey, will Overwatch do collaboration? I think John said something on Twitter, like, yeah, we'd like to do it. And then all of a sudden they open up, boom, straight out the gate. This is the kind of stuff that you expect from, from the art side of the, the dev team. And uh, they should be really, really happy with how it came out. And I'm absolutely going to be buying it. And I'm absolutely going to be telling everyone else to buy it too because – Look, guys, if you want to see more stuff like this, it's got to sell. And if it sells well, it opens up the door for a lot of great things. So I'm going to be buying it. I'll buy it on multiple accounts. I don't care. Um, and uh, this is like, this is going to be freaking sweet. So I I'm really happy about that. And they should be too. Yeah, I, uh, personally as well, like I, I'm really happy. Like I didn't expect One Punch Man is what they would choose. I didn't figure that it was like <laughs> a... Uh across appeal enough like it is quite anime you know anime or, or, or uh, they're very popular but they're still a relative niche compared to like the the, the accessibility of overwatch but i yeah. am as, as someone who enjoyed one punch man who enjoys anime it's 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 absolutely great and i think this just opens the door for so many more things and i i can't wait basically i can't wait to see what next brand they collab with and what they can cook up because like you said sam i think the characters in overwatch are like so they they have such clear character. I think unlike so many games where like the character can feel very generic. Like I remember early playing Apex or Valorant. Like you 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 run into these characters and they feel like, oh he's the generic quirky Hispanic man. Like that's him there. And like she's the you know the kooky badass. Like she's just got an attitude. You know. So it's like the characters feel very surface level. Whereas I think what Overwatch does really well is you really like they really feel like a real person. And so to see that then collab well with like another franchise, I think is gonna. Is gonna do really great. I'm hard, curious, free. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm curious, free though. Though, like again, I think you maybe sound like you didn't play Lover Watch. You're not an anime viewer, so uh, still enjoying wow. it. Wow, you're uh, assuming my preference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you do uh, love K-pop no, though. No. That's that's a that's a, that's a surprise. <laughs> I do love K-pop. 
Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody gets that. <laughs> I mean, the, the girl rappers in K-pop go hard. All right, uh, just put it that way. Shout um, out Blackpink. Yeah. Let's go. Yes, well, that's, and that is my favorite group as well. Um, for that reason, um, I think they they nailed it. There's a lot of good points already made, so I I just kind of don't want to repeat things other people have said. I think the a question I have is like for me personally the identity of the characters that you're saying, almost no matter what skin that's being used, I always can identify them. It's changing a little bit now that we're kind of running out of silhouettes where like, maybe I don't know if it's a sojourn or a soldier way out in the distance. But when I play other games and there's a lot of other skins, it's kind of hard to track. Like I I've, I feel like I've heard a lot of people talk about this. Like if you're not deep into League of Legends, there's so many characters and so many skins, it's like impossible to uh, discern. So... I hope that's something that Overwatch keeps because the mechanics are so severe that if you don't understand what you're looking at, and I don't know if I'm biased because I just that's the game I play. I, like I'm kind of curious what like a casual player might think um, with that first time user experience. And then now we've got all these uh, collaboration skins maybe to think about. But I, I think because the mechanics are so um, different, um, I hope that that's you know you're, regardless of the cape your Doomfist is wearing. <laughs> like, he doesn't perform like any other tank, so it's pretty easy to tell who he is. Like, that, my point was, essentially, that's a concern of mine that I hope, that's, like, where I would draw the line, essentially, where it's, like, competitively, it's hard to tell what the heck's going on because so many characters are different, but they, they, they're not doing that very clearly. And I think the sort of almost kitsch, let's say, collaboration, where it's very specific, like, it seems, one, probably business-wise obtainable, because if you go for Star Wars, that's like a whole nother paycheck as opposed to, I don't know, like, a, a, like here's a random one uh, that I was thinking. Um, oh, shoot. Rick and Morty, for example. Like, I bet, like, our community probably likes shows like that, too. So anime is the easy first one, but then other, like, more nerdy stuff, you know? And, and that's, um, I think, indicative of other partners they have. They typically are uh, more nerdy. And that's kind of what Blizzard their identity always has been is that nerd subculture that's like properly nerdy <laughs> not just like star wars your mom watches nerdy right like uh so i i like it um i hope they do more of these things in the future both the skin because i like the devs to make money <laughs> uh the cupid hanzo one uh, as we kind of interjected earlier sounds like a massive win um keeps the sense of humor Let's see what else. I didn't. I know. I in fact am not going to play Lover Watch even for the discount. <laughs> I think I value my time more. I think I'll, I'll buy. I'll buy the skin at full price. Thank you very much. You can't uh, even pay for another play Lover Watch. But I'm excited for the the other games that they might get out of this. Like like remember Blizzard always crawl, walk, run. So it starts with a dating sim. Like are we gonna like my dream game is Clash of Clans, Overwatch Edition, uh, or something like that. Like like some mobile game spinoff that's like and everyone cringes when they hear mobile game but me and sv always talk about how much in love we are with uh hearthstone and especially battlegrounds like another game like that in the overwatch universe i'd be hyped for and i feel like they're always like testing things they're like all right we're gonna try some stuff out they're gonna deploy it see the stats they get and then try to project what they can fund right because the new overwatch 2 philosophy is like sustainability <laughs> that's what they're always talking about it's like how much money we got how much are we gonna earn what, what what's worth our time like they're really taking the production side of things like uh sv interviewed jared ness and he's like the most um chill guy <laughs> ever <laughs> but his job is all about like 
harsh decisions, you know, and he, he'll do it with the, uh, the, the calm demeanor, but there's a lot of like savage, uh, decisions that have to be made when you're talking about production and what's even possible to ship in what time frame. And you might be optimistic about things. Uh, anyway, I don't know. Uh, like, uh, Sam likes his baseball analogies. So like, this just all feels like good base hits. These are like base hit plays that like aren't, aren't too risky and seem very reliable and good steps forward. And I hope it, uh, explodes from here into even things that are, are more mainstream. I, th I thought I had, for example, is like the the crossover appeal of this, I think the what people don't understand sometimes uh, that's a bigger benefit is like general internet culture and other um, sub-communities, they will only see an anime they like has a skin in a the game they've never played, right? And like that might be enough to like fold them into um, the community and that's kind of cool that it, it's like the right collaboration for that reason no 100 percent. i think i yeah i agree with all of that and i think that i i just think this is a this is the start of something great and again having spoken to a lot of the devs they definitely have that like big picture uh in their mind of like it's not again they keep saying privately and publicly that like this is not about like a two-year three-year in and out it's like this is like 5 10 15 year project and that that means multiple ips multiple games so yeah again this just opens the door like we start with a dating sim we might get like an actual dedicated like solo player rpg right we have obviously the pve was going to be a thing but it might just be like a an, a solo rpg set in your watch world that just tells the story of like some you know non-canon character non-playable character you're them you get to live in that world again i would love an auto battler or something you know there's like so much potential for what could come next as a, as like the starting point of like okay we've we've kind of dipped our toe in the water what is worth get, spending dev resource on as we've kind of already alluded to okay any other thoughts on that before we move on to concluding thoughts because i know you guys have taken up a lot of your time flat sam anything else you want to add no okay no. well let's head to concluding thoughts then which is basically as we always do we'll leave it something future looking so you know we still got a, a large chunk of season three left including a, a mid-season balance patch and you know that that one punch man collaboration actually has to drop which i'm i'm definitely psyched for i'm definitely gonna buy that skin so what else are you hoping for from the rest of the season to kind of continue it sounds like we're all happy which i i think is great so what else do you want to see for the rest of the season to keep us happy and then you know then we'll deal with the choppy waters of season four's new hero when it comes i'll start with flats flats you first uh-oh there is one thing I'm actually not happy about, uh, and I want it changed ASAP. Um, so this is my hope. I think the streamer mode is an absolute joke. Oh, yeah. It is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It was really disingenuous when the way it was put out. When it was, that article came out talking about it, I was the only, one of the few people that went, wait, guys, this says it's client-side only. That's useless. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I love Overwatch. And I actually think the game is actually still in a really good spot, but I personally haven't been having fun. Um, and, and maybe it's me just being a little bit of a bitch. Um, but, you know, having bigger stream than normal or what I was used to for a long time, uh, I literally can't play the game on my main account. And I don't want to play on alt accounts. I don't want to name change constantly. I literally can't. I am just... I play quick play. I'm chased around the map the entire time. I have I play with like chat off because people are either uh, spamming like random plugs or just trying to like get reactions or just saying like fucked up heinous shit. Um, and ranked is better, 
Um, but it's not perfect in a lot of ways. Uh, I really, 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 really was pissed off with the shoot mode. I made a tweet about it, decided to delete it um, because I feel like uh, we're such a small group. Um, but I also think people didn't realize that uh, stream mode protection actually goes way beyond that um, and helps people that uh, in-game want to hide their name, not because like it's a bad thing, but because they don't want to be harassed for whatever reasons. Uh, and streamer client side literally does nothing for that. Um, and I'm really, really disappointed with that. And in a lot of ways, uh, I've not been having a good time recently. Um, and I've been doing a lot more creative types of content even though i would love to play the game i literally can't um so what i look forward to is maybe having the chance to play overwatch again and be me um because otherwise uh i don't want to be a bit of a doom and gloomer but i don't know if this current uh trajectory that i'm currently on is even sustainable uh long term because i can't play the game so i hope that there's improvements to, to streamer mode uh, ASAP. And if not, well, I guess I'm fucked. Yeah, it's a very sad and somber note. And uh, again, I think for people who are like, eh, content creators, it's just a content creator problem. Like, the, uh, like it's called streamer mode, but really it's anonymous mode. And I think many, many people have many different reasons for wanting to just play anonymously. Again, don't want to be recognized harassment for people who are minority like who identify as minorities like when they're in their name it's like it's been demonstrated that like they see they receive more harassment just for the name like the type of name feminine names or anything that indicates again anything that's like minority so it's like there's so many reasons you might have for wanting to just play anonymously and not have to worry so really sucks for you flats and i'm sorry and like i get i get like a small portion of it because i i've been trying to play back on my svb account and like it, it really makes you just want to stop playing. So I can't imagine with your size of stream, like how much worse it would be. So, yeah, my heart. I, does I not actually be there, cannot really. play a single game at this point. Like it's every single game is chased around. Like and it's like you can't even have like a normal experience. You know what I mean? Like it's like, dude, I'm yeah. like in my spawn, and I can hear the footsteps outside. And it's like they buff sound, dude. I can fucking hear you. Like like. I'm not stupid, but there's three of you out there. I'm not taking the 1v3 on Cassidy. I'm good, dude. Like, I might take one of you, but I ain't taking all three. It's just like, that really just pisses me off that we're seven years into a AAA title game and we're just kicked out of the rug. And to be honest with you, realistically, long term, that might be something that affects me wanting to stay Overwatch. And that's that's a problem, like... You losing your biggest content creators because you can't keep their game experience good is just a, a terrible thing for any game. So, I I also hope I know it's like for a lot of people it's like that's not dev priority and that's obviously the devs have been like it's not our top priority. But I hope at some point like it's been that that's the rhetoric for a long time. So I hope at some point they find the space to make that for for the for the content creators who you know are going to bring so much more back for the game. Okay, Sam, I know you got to go. So you want to give me your concluding thoughts and rest of season three. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I want to say, obviously, like, they definitely met the expectation bar, and I think I went a little bit above it, um, to start it off in terms of, like, the actual, like, core game. So they should be very proud about that. One Punch Man, big hit, right? Um, this is the kind of energy and momentum that I hope they keep. Obviously, it'd be nice to see streamer mode fixed. Um, but I think they should be pretty satisfied. 
Um, and that praise does not come lightly from a lot of people. And I think a lot of people have been given that. The one thing that I think, the, the one gripe that I think I still have with the game is that I would like to see stacking come back. I still think that the game is overall better than when it is allowed. It Like a top 100 level play for one, that guys like Flats can actually stack and play the game. Um, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, couldn't, um, I can't even use that protection. Like if I could play like, with five friends, it'd be fine, but. Can't do that it's either. Just, I, I, like, I'm just going to say it again, and some people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but I'm just going to keep it real. I'm sorry that your feelings get hurt when you get rolled by a stack. Top 500 play is is absolutely better, and it is really silly that in a team-based game that, um, as I, I literally just launched my game, I hear the lover watch sound in the background of, like, you know, so it's like it's like I'm euphoric right now. Um, oh, I just stopped. I had to say something. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I, the game's just better. And the idea that you get rolled by a stack consistently just wouldn't be true. Snacks sniping each other would also like happen all the time because that's just what used to happen. And I think that the game would just be better in my opinion. And I'd like to see that come at some point or some way to implement that would be great. But other than that, I give this season about like a nine and a half out of 10. I think the team should be very satisfied with where they're at right now. Congratulations, guys. quickly em empathize with a uh, flat situation. Like, I think some people might not realize what he means when he says that. Like, when something's unplayable, it's like the enemy team's not even really trying to win. They're just harassing. So it's like, it's not even, like, unplayable literally. Like, like no one's trying to really play normally. They're just playing harass the streamer, and that that's horrible. And especially when you get, like, sniping. Um, this was big even back in the day. Like, Tim the Tatman, it was horrible, man. Like, really, really bad. Um, in Overwatch One, and and uh, like I think um, I and SVB also have had similar experiences. So I hope that um, changes. I mean, I used to change my uh, I don't even stream, right? And I used to change my battle tech like frequently. And I'm so thankful that uh, the content's less successful. So it's <laughs> lower profile, less people uh, <laughs> recognize me now. Now, uh, so I don't feel the need to change it as often. But I, I've definitely been there where it's like every single game you get someone, and then it. It's horrible, um, especially even as a high-level player. That, that's uh, interesting that it's still that severe. But um, my personal things for Season 3 is I'm going to ask for, let's not have the typical thing that happens with unnecessary changes for the ch sake of changes <laughs> happening. I don't, I don't want to hear some fucking wacky balance patch that's like, oh, we just wanted to shake things up. Buff copy. We just said, <laughs> Sam with his echo propaganda, uh, we just said October patch in this, this episode, okay? And what happened with that October patch is that they randomly wanted to shake things up where they're like, oh, this hero's underperforming, let's make it broken, right? Um, I think this patch specifically is like, there's so many mechanics that are uh, reintroduced into the game that like any data you get right now, I feel isn't actually that good because often it's going to be based on players not knowing how to deal with a certain thing. And the strength, actually, like the, the data you're going to get based on win rates and, and et cetera, is, is based on a lot of ignorance. Because we just, well, I talked about this meta shift and everything. Like we went from this like sniper hog meta into actual Overwatch again. And I think it's going to take a little bit of time before uh, that data is very relevant. So I, I hope we don't see any knee jerk stuff to try to, like, the, the, I used to say this, like in Overwatch 1, you can't buff the player base right to some degree sometimes the game is fine and the players just got to learn certain things and um that maybe was too much of their opinion the overwatch one devs originally where they're just like 
oh, kind of wait and see. And then we get like, they, they'll say like, oh, you could counter goats, just try. And like, and they don't patch it for years or whatever it is, right? Um, so so th that can go too far, obviously. But to some degree, that sentiment is correct. Um, I think when the game is in a better balanced state. And th that's, in my opinion, where it's at. So I don't want to see unnecessary stuff because I think this, they, they might have broken the cycle. Like a, a couple seasons ago, I was like panicking because I'm like, they're getting data that isn't useful. And then the char new character comes out and then they have to use quick to play data for that. And then they're constantly changing the thing from two patches ago to try to catch up to the thing because it was a big bad circle. And now I think they finally like reached a reasonable point and we got to enjoy it for these few months before we get the new character, which is like undoubtedly going to <laughs> send us on a spiral again. So I I'm pretty happy. The thing I've learned as well is like, if the balance patch sucks, like I should just play the game less. Like I got addicted to playing in season two for the wrong reasons. Cause I'm like, I'm not gonna let the game beat me. And it beat me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so now I'm having more fun because now I'm at a lower SR and I'm able to just go back to what I was good at and it's winning. So now I get the euphoric climb, but realistically I probably should have just like taken a little bit of a break during a uh, hog meta. Cause it was, it was rolling me pretty hard. So that's my hopes for season three. Yeah, I agree 100% because I think like this is why, again, I've been like on that whole train of like take the game, you know, a little bit more casually, don't don't burn yourself out. Because again, I'm, I'm kind of having more fun playing comp again, but I know that when season four comes out, we're gonna, the game's going to break again and we're all going to be mad as fuck. It's kind of like, it's funny, it's like what 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 kills us is also what keeps us alive. It's kind of like oxygen, right? Like actually slowly breathing in oxygen over the years is what wears our bodies down and, and that's like the aging process. New heroes in Overwatch are like that for the Overwatch. It's like, it's it's our lifeblood. Like if we never had new heroes, we'd just die. But like also slowly, the new heroes kill us every time a little bit by a little bit because it's going to break us. So be prepared for the wildness. Like this is going to be a good season, I think, to play Overwatch and, and kind of grind it out, I hope. I also echo the sentiments here that I, I hope nothing wacky comes in the next balance patch because they actually took a risk and they made this big Mercy change and just dropped it in. They were like, let's go. Because anytime you change Mercy, it's it's like you're setting yourself up for World War it's in the Overwatch community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, they dropped it. It's It's been all right. You know, there was a bit of a, whoa, but it's been all right. Like we're playing, we're having fun. So I, I applaud them, take risks, keep going. But... Let's not, yeah, let's not change unnecessary things. And if we do change it, let's let's be quick to like work it back. So yeah, I think keep it up. This is a, this has been a great start to the season. I hope to see more of it. And I'm sure if it doesn't deliver, we'll be back here to yell at them. So, but for once, I want to, I want to give a shout out. Devs did a great job. Season three looking great. Uh, streamer mode so flats can smile again. That would be good. But thank you very much guys for your time. It's always been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I hope you, I hope you continue to enjoy season three. And I hope to see you guys soon, and I hope it uh, it continues to be good news. So thank you, Sam, Flats, and Frito. And a pleasure. Thanks, as always. Roll out. All right, guys. <laughs> roll out. All the boss roll out. Peace out, guys. All right, peace out, boys.